Kaladin rode the storm. He'd done this before in dreams. He'd even spoken to the Stormfather. This felt different. He rode in a shimmering, rippling surge of colors. Around him, the clouds streamed past at incredible speed, coming alight with those colors, pulsing with them as if to a beat. He couldn't feel the Stormfather. He couldn't see a landscape beneath him, just shimmering colors and clouds that faded into light. Then, a figure, Dalinar Kolin, kneeling someplace dark, surrounded by nine shadows, a flash of glowing red eyes. The enemy's champion, the enemy's champion was coming. Kaladin knew in that moment, an overpowering sensation thrumming through him, that Dalinar was in terrible, terrible danger. And without help, the Blackthorn was doomed. Heroes of presents The Storm Pod, a Stormlight Archive podcast. Book 3, Oathbringer. This is just a quick spoiler warning for chapters 96 and 97. If you haven't uh, done your reading or if you skipped an episode by accident, make sure you go back and do the things you're supposed to do. Um, we are pounding through uh, at part four here, trying to get this book done. We really hope that uh, you're enjoying our coverage and we really hope that you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Sean Q. And he is a spren that mimics weird stuff is Jack. What's up? Right. Yeah. I am the spren that likes the weird stuff. I, I That's so funny, dude. That's like one of the funniest parts of these two chapters is like that little tiny conversation between Syl and, and uh, uh, Pattern. Yeah. So like, oh, yeah. I, you mimic I love weird stuff? Those, yeah. So you mimic weird stuff? I also <laughs> like that uh, there's some other reaction to Pattern being there that like, I think it was the fortune teller like looking at the doorway whenever, yeah. no, it was, no, it was the reaction to Adolin's spren. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Like, and it's Adolin, I think, that's like, what are you doing there? Holy jeez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I really like the, uh, I don't know, the kind of spooky presence that the spren have in yeah in this world and not only just to the fortune teller that they've met, but, but amongst themselves. Yeah, exactly. Like they like, even like know what to adjusting. expect and they're, they're still freaked out kind of by it or whatever. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's really, it's yeah. really cool. Yeah. I, um, so these two chapters, not heavy in the reveal mm -hmm. department or if I'm, if it was, I certainly missed it. There's some stuff in here we can chat Except about. Except for there's a dream like that, that warning and yeah. we've had this conversation, I think, I think in not only this uh, book, but maybe in a few others, just about, you know, this idea of the champion. Right. Yes. And Dalinar being in trouble. The nine shadows. 
I've expressed several times the Blackthorn is like a is like a I don't know a device or something mm. or a tool you use right in yeah. war you un you unleash it. The reading right? that Kaladin gets in this is that Dalinar is in danger because the uh, champion with the nine shadows is coming for him. Right. But you've kind of always said that you're more afraid that Odium might try to make Dalinar that champion. Or someone else, yes. Right. Yeah. Because you've said it, that yeah. before, I mean, that you, you're you a little afraid of Dalinar, or at least the Blackthorn coming back up to the surface and being, and like, and being the bad guy, right? So... Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I mean, you know... Uh, indicator of future behavior past behavior you know just as simple as that but this seems to think that this is like a premonition or a vision that uh that cal was able to have and he saw what he interpreted anyways was that dalinar was in trouble um because he's gonna have to face the champion with nine shadows so right um, but it doesn't mean that your theory's uh, not right because, like I just said, it's Kaladin interpreting something he saw, right? So yeah, it's yeah. Mm-hmm. And if and I mean, as far as Odium is concerned, I would imagine yeah, you're basically just looking for the best champion who's right. going to get this job done. Right. I don't care what vessel. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to use anyone. Right. So right. That's that's an interesting. It, it it keeps keeps you on 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 uneasy ground. Either right? he needs to find someone who can beat Dalinar or turn Dalinar, and either either um, either way, right. it gets what he wants. Right, right. Dalinar out of the way, out of his way, kind of thing. Because Dalinar yeah. really is like kind of the though I was I was gonna say Dalinar's kind of like the head of this coalition and the head of the resistance, yep. but. Yep. I mean, Navani does a lot of legwork in this episode. Uh, in this oh, chapter, oh man, does she ever? Yeah, this is as I was telling you. This this reminded me. Of, well, well, first of all, it reminds me of the Depeche Mode video for "Enjoy the Silence," where he's carrying the chair, right? Um, which is really great. Yeah. <laughs> so I was imagining all these leaders carrying their own chair. Yeah. But it also reminded me of the Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things visually I loved about that movie is when you got to see the Jedi Council. Mm-hmm. All the chairs were different. Right. And I thought, so it sort of evoked that for me <clears throat> reading this scene, which I love the Herdasian, or Herdasian brings the biggest thing. It's like the godiest. Well, it's Lopin that does throat. it, right? I know, it's, it's the Lopin, right? <laughs> yeah. But he's probably carrying a chair that's like 13 feet high. And right. Like, <laughs> and the reason why, I, awesome. I have it in my notes later when we get to it, but one of the oh, main yeah. reasons why is we've talked about this, this theory right. that we think that maybe Elokar might have made him king for a day. Right. Right. And so now he thinks he's he's a former king, so he deserves a really big chair. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He needs a throne. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And Talonar was, you know, forced, oh, right, I'll I'll bring a normal chair. He just wanted to bring a stool. Yeah. Want to note again that Yasna did as well. Yeah. Connects her to... They're very similar, to her, right? To her uncle. Yeah. yeah they've got this. I, I just like that weave that's between the two of them. Mm-hmm, I think it's sure. cool. Yeah. She's definitely more like her uncle than, well, she might be like her dad, but we don't really know her dad like that, right? So we don't know Gavilar like that. So. That would be an interesting, hmm. Didn't really think a lot about that until just now, just in terms of, you know, it, it would appear that Adolin would probably resist wanting to be like the Blackthorn. Right. 
But building up Yasna being more similar and more similar, that could be something that in the Advent... Yeah, I don't know. That, I see what that you're saying. I, I like that. I like this the, this thinking that, that maybe... Like, like a slow build of Yasna being a danger might be an interesting way to write to some we, of the We haven't of had a lot of POVs inside of Yasna's head. So we don't really know... Sanderson has kept us largely in the dark about what happens inside of her, her, like her, yeah. you know, with her inner monologue and all that stuff. So we don't really know Yasna the way that we know some of these other characters. And I think that's I on purpose. I doubt we're going to get it in this book, but can I ask you, mm-hmm. uh, if, are you willing to answer that question? Does, does Yasna play a role like that in the next book, Rhythm of War? Does, I does, can't is she... really answer that. Okay. Because we've fair. got a lot of book left. <coughs> yep. That's fair. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm excited to jump into this one. So Pieces of a Fabriel, chapter 96. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, we're getting there. Getting close to the 100. Yelignar, this is the beginning. Yelignar is said to consume souls, but I can't find a specific explanation. I'm uncertain this lore is correct. Mm-hmm. So let's remind me again, Yelignar. We know very little about said, Yelignar, one of the unmade. Right. Um, right. All I these, wanted... all these uh, characters that we're learning in Hesse's uh, Mythica are all about the unmade. Um, right. Yelignar was mentioned um, in one of Dalinar's visions in uh, when he was talking to Nohadon, and Nohadon was like, um, Yelignar came through and tore through our records room, all of our books, all of our scrolls, all completely destroyed, and it right. was like a targeted attack. So this wasn't like a consequence of war. Yelignar, this unmade, came to destroy all of our knowledge so it couldn't be passed on to the next generation during one of these desolations. So right. we know very little about Yelignar. Hmm. It's like Blightwind. Okay, well, Blightwind, I think, is the other name that it's given. Blightwind? I think so, yeah. Okay. On the day of the first meeting of monarchs at Urethiro, Navani made each person, no matter how important, carry their own chair. Mm-hmm. I really like this bit of world building. Yeah, I think it's, it's cool. great. Yeah. And what I really like also is all the distinct natures in which the individuals uh, accomplish this. Right. You know, uh, what's his name coming in at the end there? Doesn't bother to bring a chair at all. Yeah. This is, uh, um, oh my gosh, well, I can't remember his name. The merchant. Um, we love him. Polona. Oh, yeah, he's... Yeah, Polona right. and... Polona uh, and Sabariel. Sabariel, Sabariel Just stand yeah. at the back of the room eating... Yeah. Literally, like, throwing jabs at everyone from the back of the room. Yeah. And how amazing <laughs> is it that that Navani ran that whole thing? Yeah. And even to, like, get back at him and say, well, this might have been your task had you not been, you know, yeah. so rude. Right. Coming in without a chair, right? And because because Sabariel is seen as like the Alethi, yeah, a merchant, uh, a trader, yeah. um, the person who kind of gets you know um, supply lines and all that stuff. He look what he did yeah. in the Shattered Plains, right at the war camps. Yes, yeah. he's extremely resourceful. Right. And I love what she department. does, though. Right, she literally does the thing that they taught me when I first started working at Tim Hortons, the coffee shop, like you know, twenty five years ago <laughs> when I was a young buck. They taught you you put your aces in your places. You take whoever you think is the best at what they do, and then you yeah. put them in that role. So if you have someone who's really good at making coffee, then you put them there. If you have someone that's really good at sandwich bar, you put them there. And you always put your aces in 
your places. And that's what she's done here. And she's like, you know what? Yeah. Who are the best traders and bar- uh, barters in the world? The Thalens. You guys are going to be in Thalens. charge of our supply lines. Right. Who's the best people at coming up with rules and regulations for how the, we should be conducting ourselves? Well, the Azish are amazing at this. So let's make them in charge of it. In charge of it. Right. And it's, they were all giddy and yeah. like, I, I loved how, and I liked also that she compared it to looking at a Fabril. Mm-hmm. Like we have to get all of these monarchs uh, 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 working together somehow. Yeah. Like, like gears really, really in a machine kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's kind of my highlight overall. The chapter is the way that Navani. Well, it's Navani, right? I think is highlight. So I guess we'll get to we're like super to early on the highlights here. But yeah, yeah I'm the super same. early today. My highlight well, I mean, is Navani for sure. It's an ama- It's amazing. She was amazing. Yeah. In this. Yeah. And Dalinar was just he took a backseat role. He kind of sat in the chair and mm. didn't really need to interject too much because Navani had this. It's so and great. And this is not his forte either. Yeah. This is not. This is not the arena for him. Of course. Exactly. And especially in his current condition, right? Like he's can't. Right. He's not yeah. able to really think that way. But, I right. mean, I'm so happy that we've gotten to a point here where you get to see the Navani I told you right. about in the Have very always, first book. Yeah. And when, yeah, when she comes onto the scene, I'm like, dude, legit, one of my favorite characters in the amazing. series. And you're like, what? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I got on the wrong track with her just picking up little, tiny little things that yeah. I thought meant well, you were, that she was Well, you were was very a, suspicious. Uh, <laughs> you were very, very suspicious Very, very about suspicious. I don't blame you. Series, but yeah. I'm just really happy that you get to see all the things I was yeah. like, she's awesome. Just wait. She's amazing. Yeah. Just wait. Well, she's she's Navani the engineer. Yeah. She's Navani the politician. Yeah. She's She wasn't biggest. just the king's wife. Like she, you know. No. Yeah. She's awesome. Yeah. Okay, so moving on to the second paragraph. <laughs> Navani and Dalinar <laughs> arrived first. Yeah, we haven't yeah. even covered anything. Yeah, exactly. Um, so they arrive first. They're, they're in, in this meeting room at the top of Urthiru. Her chair was sensible and comfortable. Soul cast with a padded seat. Dalinar trying to bring a stool, but she insisted that he do better. Mm-hmm. So eventually he, he succumbed to bringing a stump weight chair with uh, armrests and no pad. Mm-hmm. No padding. Yeah. I thought that might have been an interesting title here, but Pieces of a Fabril I think is perfect. Yeah. No padding. He he quietly spent the trip up watching the floors pass. You know what? This is, I have to admit, there is some... We are seeing the world... We are seeing the realms blend. Right. I mean, we are getting a chapter here where, no doubt, it's a can of sardines right so i don't know what's so that's a little (laughs) it's it was so on the nose i couldn't help but imagine it and then when i was thinking about other things that they're dropping here in 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 the imagery like the lifts and stuff like that i'm like well the lifts like is sanderson describing things in such a way that you could then look back on it and go oh my gosh i can imagine it completely differently yeah where like Urethiro is like an actual skyscraper. Right. And they're just inside an elevator shaft. Exactly. That's right. And it's it's like that, right? It's no, like but the, are you confirming that? Well, that it, that's it, right. I mean or or if that's or where your, he, if that's where the descriptions are taking you, I think that you're right to be thinking it because it is supposed to have that feel a little bit. Now, it is not is not a skyscraper with an elevator system with buttons. And, right, you know, Elf right. doesn't come along and go, oh, it looks like a Christmas tree. It's not like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it has the same functionality. 
It does. There's lifts. Right. It's a huge There's tower, lifts. like the biggest tower in the world. So right. there, it has, it's like a fantasy version of that. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was just wondering if, if one of the reveals of this series was going to be like, this the, is an the, actual skyscraper. Well, just the way that you, that you, that it, it's all been <laughs> interpreted is just the way you interpreted it, but it's actually something else. Right. I mean, that's still a possibility. <clears throat> But as far as my understanding, um, Urthiru is a um, place that is very reflective of Roshar and Roshar's right. capabilities because a lot of the right. stuff that you is used to make it work are Fabrials and uh, gemstones with stormlight in it. So it's not like it is a... Um, a skyscraper pulled out of another world into Roshar. No, no. It is a very no. Roshar-based place. Yeah, I just, uh, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what I was dreaming with that, but as mm -hmm. soon as I was confident, like, we're dealing with a can of sardines. Yeah. You know, like, using the device to open up the can. Like, yeah. I thought, what? What's going on here? Yeah. Clearly, clearly this fortune teller is a realm traveler. Yeah, well, that's different. Or, that's different than Urthiru. That's right. Talking but about it just, Urthiru it brought me... is one thing. The, right. the, 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 this little device that he uses on a... Yeah. And also just canned food makes you go, whoa, where did he get that? That's not where been on Roshar that? before. Right, but and this also alludes to things like, okay, they have great shells and they have, they have other organisms, let's say, living here that are uniquely described and uniquely named mm -hmm. but also oh there's a horse right and there's a rabbit inside of a story and, that, a, and a rabbit yeah. yeah so again the the blending of realms i think that's the way it was worded in the next chapter mm -hmm. we'll, we'll we'll get to it it just kind of made me sort of dream a little bit that am i experiencing these novels with a veil over right. my eyes where i'm imagining it like this but maybe it's not like this well you one of the things that you do know that maybe you take for granted knowing but because you haven't really read other worlds yet most right. readers of these series have already read about other already, worlds yeah right right and right. within the cosmere and you've only read about this one world so right. knowing that pe there are people who can travel i mean um, Captain right. uh, Azur has um, uh, Azure has told us that she has come from another world yeah. Pretty yeah. much she said that, right? So So cool. Yeah, so like um for us the re the people who have read the way that they came out in like in actual right. release order, we right. know that there are other worlds in this Cosmere whereas you haven't experienced it firsthand, so it might be harder for you to remember that oh, well maybe these cans come from another place in the Cosmere, right? Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It'd be interesting to connect all that together. I'm just gonna be well, fun. I mean, we have, we have a long road, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Um, so speaking about uh, Elokar and Adolin, Navani says they got out, Dalinar. I'm sure that they did. Elokar and Adolin are safe somewhere. Wow. Mm -hmm. Couldn't be more wrong. Right. He nodded, but even if they had survived, Kolinar had fallen. Was that why he was so haunted? No, it was something else. Ever since he had collapsed after visiting Azir. It seemed that something in Dalinar had snapped. This morning he had quietly asked her to lead the meeting. 
She was worried deeply for what was happening to him, and for Elokar, and for Kolinar. But Storms, they had worked so hard to forge this coalition, she would not let it collapse now. She'd already grieved for a daughter, and then had that daughter return to her. She had to hope the same for Elokar. I really like that. Mm-hmm. She had to maintain the same hope. Um, I love that she just, yeah, steps up to the plate here. It's, it's, it's really cool. Yeah. Okay, so they're in this large meeting room overlooking the mountains with glass windows, servants set at refreshments. The tiled floor was in the image of the doubled eye of the Almighty, complete with surges and essences. Bridge four piled into the room after them. So it's kind of neat, the order here. You've mm-hmm. got the, uh, the main characters here and then bridge four right, right after. It's yeah. Great. Yeah. The Herdesian bringing in a chair so grand inlaid with embroidered blue cloth and silver. It was almost a throne. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it's great. The Lopen brings it in. It would have been awesome to have a little, couple little sentences there from him, but they settled their chairs behind hers with a fair bit of squabbling and then attacked the food. This is bridge four. A mm-hmm. um, couple of words used to describe them, unruly and raucous, not quite what I was thinking about bridge four, but okay. Maybe when it comes to food. Right. Bridge four had characteristically taken the news of their leader's potential fall with laughter. I love that line. Yeah. Kaladin is tougher than a wind-tossed boulder, Brightness, Teft had told her. He survived Bridge 4. He survived the chasms, and he'll survive this. You remember how confident they were that he didn't die in the chasms with the Shallan? Yeah. And they're like, they were just waiting for him. They waited for him yeah. for like 10 days or something ridiculous. That's right. To get out. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they're like, he's, he's not dead. There's no way he's dead. You know what? Just just that setting that up for so long has got to be a tool that Brandon Mister Sanderson may have to use. God, let's hope not. <laughs> let's not go there. Well, setting oh, that up. Yeah, like, I know. I don't know. Okay, she had to admit their optimism was heartening. But if the team had survived, why hadn't they returned during the latest high storm? Mm-hmm. Steady, Navani thought to herself, readying, sorry, regarding the bridgemen who were surrounded by laughter spren. That's funny. Mm-hmm. One of those men currently carried Jezerez's honor blade. She couldn't tell which had the blade. They swapped it among themselves in order to be unpredictable. Love this. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. One amongst that group of men have one of the most powerful things in the world and you're not going to know who until it's probably too late. Amazing. So they each get a chance to practice with the sword so that they don't, because Cal's gone. So their, their squireship is gone. Right. It's it's run out or whatever. It's too far. Sure. But they each get to practice, you know, every day or whatever with this blade to keep themselves fresh. Yeah, it's really so great. Cool. It's 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 a mini highlight for sure. Yeah, it's really awesome. Lope in the chair, Novani, amazing. This, amazing. Um, okay, so the chair-carrying tradition was in part a symbol of equality. Yeah, okay, makes sense. She might be able to learn something about the monarchs from their choices. This I liked that Novani is um, expressing like w- what she wants from the meeting. Mm-hmm. And it really kind of positions her, I, I mean, she's just, 
she's just so much the queen. Yeah. I find. Um, being a human was about making sense of chaos, finding meaning among the random elements. First to arrive was the young Azish Prime. His tailor had done a wonderful job making his re his costume fit. This is funny because I was hoping this was noted by, by Aelin, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, well, and it's really because a child would be swimming in the stately robes had it not been adjusted. He's got this headdress on as well. A very, he carried an, a very ornate throne covered in loud Azish patterns. The large continent contingent settled in and others flooded in behind, including the representatives of the kingdoms that were subject to Ezir. The prime of Amul, the princess of, is it called Yazir? Yeah, Yazir. Yazir, and the ambassador from Tashik all brought chairs that were faintly inferior to that of the Azish prime. I love that. I love how supremely precise that was done. He comes in first, his right. chair looks like this. They all yep. come subservient to him behind him, and all their chairs look slightly less Just a little lavish less. than his. Yeah. Right. Each of the three monarchs, monarchies, gave just enough respect to the prime, so as not to embarrass him. They were his subjects in name only. Still, Navani should be able to focus her diplomacy efforts on the prime. Tashik, Emul, and Yazir would fall in line. I love this. She's, again, she's very much like Dalinar here. Mm -hmm. Calculating, planning, looking for the win. This is her battlefield. Right. You know? The Alethi contingent arrived next. Renarin, who seemed terrified that something had happened to his brother, brought a simple chair. Yasna had outdone him by actually bringing a padded stool. She and Dalinar could be painfully similar. Yeah, I love it. So, so I wanted to pause there. And I love be that. Like, okay. I love, I love that because that's something that happens, that, that is something very much in our world. Like I've been told yeah. my whole life that I'm like my Uncle Don. Yeah. And my, my mom's brother, like painfully so <laughs> like, right. and, and like, and he's amazing. He's an amazing, amazing man. And it's so great to be compared to him. So, yeah. but like, we forget that those, those ties are almost as important too, as like mother, daughter, mother, son, father, yeah. daughter, father, son, or whatever. You know what I mean? Like our, our aunts and uncles are important in our lives. And it seems like Absolutely. these two characters are very similar. Um, Okay, so she comes, so could be painfully similar. Navani noticed with annoyance that Sabariel and Polona weren't with the other high princes. Well, at least they hadn't shown up uh, bearing massage tables, which of course <laughs> they would totally do. If it's, if it's a chair of their liking, it's going to be a chaise lounge. <laughs> right? I, I love the massage table. That sounds yeah. amazing. Yeah, that's pretty great. <laughs> and there's like, you know how like massage tables have that hole cut out for the face? Yeah. But there's 100%. like a little spot on the bottom where the face is where they can put a glass of wine with a straw so they can just <laughs> sip. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love those characters so much. Um, okay. Notably, Elay Sadius ignored the requirement that she carries her own chair. A scarred guardsman placed a sleek lacquered chair down for her stained so dark a maroon that it might as well have been black she met navani's eyes as she sat cold and confident amaram was technically high prince but he was still in thelena working alongside his soldiers to rebuild the city mm -hmm. 
Navani doubted ELA would have let him represent them at this meeting anyway. So she's made her presence known. Yeah. Won't carry the chair. A scarred guardsman kind of indicating that, wow, uh, that you you are at risk. You get hurt if you protect Sadius. Yeah, something like that. Like uh, it yeah. comes with, you know what I mean? Like, I don't mm. know. It seemed so long ago when ELA and Navani had huddled together at dinners, conspiring on how to stabilize the kingdom their husbands were conquering. Now, Navani wanted to seize the woman and shake her. Can't you stop being petty for one storming minute? It's funny. We talk a lot about, or we did, about this friendship mm. between Dalinar and Sadius and how this yeah. was a friendship that forged this empire along with yeah. the, uh, Gavilar and that, you know, losing... Um, we talk, uh, Dalinar has mentioned that losing Sadius was a yeah. huge blow. Yes, I had to look behind my back all the time, but he was so pivotal and important and such a genius at this stuff that we really are losing a resource when he's, he's dead. Right. We kind of forget that Ile and Navani were really, really close. We get glimpses in these flashbacks, uh, right. Dalinar's flashbacks, but like this is saying it plainly, like while the men were out conquering, the women were literally right. figuring out how to make a country. Right. You know? How to forge alliances yeah. and, and whatnot. And it's, it's funny how quickly it all gets changed and mm -hmm. dissolves. Yeah. You know, that's the other thing that's so crazy about this moment is they're not, they're not so civil with one another. Mm -hmm. And that line, she says, can't, can't you stop being petty for one storming minute? I think that's saying what Dalinar said too. Like if, if Eli could get over shit, we could really use her. Right. You know what I mean? Because she's like a, they, they had been mentioned before. She's like a master spy. Like she, she's like a, um, a spy master with all these like people that work for her. She, you know, a master assassins and all this stuff. Like she could be very, very useful. Well, okay, look, her husband has been murdered. Agreed. They, I'm not saying that she should go and be like I all mean, nice with them and stuff. I'm not saying that at all. If we think, I mean, the only trajectory for Ely is to murder Adolin and or. And or? Uh, to murder and, and or? Because you didn't like that show? <laughs> And okay. <laughs> Eli's going to murder uh, Adolin okay. and or as well. And or Dalinar. Right. If she ever finds out, right? Oh, I'm, I've, I don't know. But she's, it's just another. She, if she doesn't know already, she's, she's planning the perfect moment. Uh, it's just a matter of how much she wants to punch back. Mm -hmm. Does she want to just get back at the one who wielded the knife or get back at, at uh, the family in general? Right. Yeah. I just so, like how it mirrors Dalinar's sentiment as well that like, you know, because of this, we're out of reason. Like we're, we can't have them on our side anymore. There's no chance of, right. you know, uh, of fixing right. things and making, and making and using their abilities. Right. You've lost that piece of the Fabriel. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, as had been happening for so long now, the other high princes would defer either to Colin or to Sadius. Letting Elay participate was a calculated risk. Forbid her, and the woman would find a way of to sabotage the proceedings, but let her in, and hopefully she'd start to see the importance of this work. Mm -hmm. At least Queen Fen and her consort seemed committed to the coalition. They set their chairs by the glass windows, 
Wooden chairs were high-backed, painted blue, upholstered a pale nautical white. Teravangian asked to join them. The old man had insisted on carrying his own chair. Though Navani had specifically excused him, Ashno of, of sages, and others with a frail bearing. Adratagia sat next to Teravangian, as did his surge binder. She didn't go join Bridge 4, and curiously, Navani realized she still thought of the woman as his surge binder. Right. The only other person of note was Aunak, the Natan ambassador. He represented a dead kingdom that had been reduced to a single city-state on the eastern coast of Rushar. For a moment, it all seemed too much for Navani. The Azish Empire, with all its intricacies, the counter-movement among the Alethi High Princes, Teravangian, who was somehow king of Yaqaved, the second-largest kingdom in Roshar, Queen Fen and her obligations to the guilds in her city, the Radiance, like the little Reshi who was currently out over, <laughs> sorry, out eating the huge horn-eater Bridgman, almost as if it were a contest. Amazing. So much to think about. But, I mean, what an amazing thing just to have all put together. Yeah. Just just getting everybody here is right. an accomplishment. Is, is an accomplishment. Absolutely. And I love yeah. that paragraph because it kind of wraps everything up. It here does. is everything all at once that we're looking at. Right. You've got all the stakeholders in one room. Mm -hmm. So much to think about calm, she thinks. Order from chaos. Find the structure here and start building upon it. Everyone arranged themselves into a circle. Navani stood up and strode into the center. Just as everyone was quieting, Sabariel and his mistress finally sauntered in. <laughs> they made right for the food and had apparently forgotten chairs entirely. I love it. It's so funny. I, she said as the room hushed again, I know it's funny. I know of no other conference like this in the history of Roshar, Navani says. Perhaps they were common in the days of the Night's Radiant, but certainly nothing like it has occurred since the recreants. I would like to both welcome and thank you, our noble guests. Today, we make history. It only took a desolation to cause it, Sabariel said from the food table. The world should end more often. It makes everyone so much more accommodating. <laughs> so this is the little punch, little jab that yep. he does that costs yep. him that position. Right. Right? Yep. Navani found herself wondering if it was too late to have him tossed off the tower. <laughs> the, sh the sheer side of Urothiro, facing the origin, was straight all the way down. She could watch Sabario fall practically to the bottom of the mountain if she wanted. This is funny. Mm -hmm. I wonder if it'll be used at some point. <laughs> um, we, Navani said sharply, are here to discuss the future of Roshar. We must have a unified vision and goal. Yeah, good luck. But she pulls it off. She glanced around the room as people considered. He's going to talk first, she thought, noticing the prime of Amul shifting in his seat. His name was Vexel the Wise, but people often referred to the Makabaki princes and primes by their country, much as Alethi high princes were often referred to by their house name. Mm -hmm. The course is obvious, isn't it? Amul said. And through an interpreter, though, though Nirvani understood his Asish, we must reclaim my nation from the hands of the traitor Parshman. Then we must conquer Tukar. 
It is completely unreasonable to allow this insane man, who claims to be a god, to continue bereaving the glorious Azish Empire. This is going to get difficult, Navani thought. A half dozen other people started to speak at once. She raised her free hand. I will do my best to moderate fairly, your majesties, but do realize that I am only one person. I depend upon you all to facilitate the discussion rather than trying to talk over one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no muted mics in this, uh, in this chamber. No, so. yeah. Yeah. Okay, they'll want to see how this plays out, Navani decides. One of the others will speak next. They'll want to contrast the Amuli position to assert themselves. So he speaks first, claims what, 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 uh, what he desires, which seems reasonable, mm-hmm. although it's more conquering, which might be difficult to get people to, to commit to at this point. The throne recognizes the prime of Amul. So even just that, the recognizing the, it just reminded me again of, uh, of Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. Um, and er, we are aware of his desires. He paused and looked around. Um, anyone else have a comment? My brother, the prince, wishes to address you, said the tall, refined representative from Tashik, who wore a flowery suit of yellow and gold rather than his people's traditional wrap. A scribe whispered to him in a, as a span read scratched out the message Tashik's prince wanted conveyed to the gathering. So they're legit- legitimately talking to Tashik's prince through span read. Right. Yeah. Which is yeah. really funny. They got him on, they got him on FaceTime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they got him on FaceTime. That's right. Yeah. Um, he'll contradict Amul, Navani thought. Point us in another direction. Toward Erie, maybe. We of Tashik, the ambassador says, are more interested in the discovery of these glorious portals. The Alethi have invited us here and told us we're part of a grand coalition. We would respectfully, sorry, we would respectfully inquire how often we will have use of these gates and how to negotiate tariffs. Immediately the room exploded with conversation. Our gate, Aunak said, in our historical homeland is being used without our permission. And while we thank the Alethi for securing it for us, Fen interrupts. If there is to be war, Fen says, then it's a bad time to be discussing tariffs. We should just agree to free trade. Which would help your merchants, Fen, Sabariel calls. How about asking them to help the rest of us out with some free wartime supplies? Okay, so... Each, each person here is kind of vying for what they feel is important. Right. One after the other. Mm-hmm. Emul, the Emuli prince, began. Wait, the Yazir princess interrupts. So they're interrupting each other. Like mm-hmm. nobody's able to speak um, without somebody else interjecting. Shouldn't we be concerned about Eerie and Rira, who seem to have completely fallen in with the enemy? Please, says Navani. Please, let's do this in an orderly way. Perhaps before deciding where to fight, we could discuss how to best equip ourselves against the enemy threat. She looks to Teravangian. Your Majesty, can you tell us more about the, about the shields your scholars in Yakoved are creating? Yes, they are strong. Well, how strong? Navani prompted. <laughs> Very strong. Yes, strong enough. He scratched his head and looked at her helplessly. How strong do you need them to be? 
She drew in a deep breath. He wasn't having a good day. Her mother had been like that. Lucid on some days, barely cognizant on others. So here's a question I have for you. Yeah. Is this dull Teravangian in a room full of leaders? Or is this smart Teravangian playing and as dull Teravangian? Yeah. Right. The The beauty of that character is... You don't know. You don't know, yeah, because you don't... That's we right. very rarely get inside his POV, so we don't really know. Right. And uh, I I love it. Every time he's on, on paper, on screen, you have to be like, which one is it we're dealing with right now? The one who would know is the one who plays cards with him to see if he has any, like, facial tics. <laughs> right. Right. Well, uh, Adretagia <laughs> knows, obviously, right? Right. So, because right. when he woke up that day, he would have had to do the tests to figure out how smart he was. Right. So, they right. know, but they're not going to divulge anything like that. No. no one else other than his inner circle even knows that he has this affliction. Right. So, yeah. So you don't know. The answer is we don't know. Before we pass too far away from it, I want to just bring uh-huh. up the um, the fact that the Aunak of um, Natan yes. said, um, the, uh, the, the oath gate from our traditional home was secured by uh, the, the, uh, the Alethi. That's the one at Narak. And Narok. it's being used. That's right. Because that whole area used to be Natan, like the old ancient kingdom of Natan right. the- or whatever. Right. And it, they haven't ha- they haven't owned that area for like a long long time. That's but right. he's claiming it because it's their ancestral homeland. That's right. So that's our oath gate. Right. He kind of just slipped that in like literally the least important person in the room. It's like, yeah, well that's our oath gate because of, you know, reasons. Well, and you know, and fair enough. I mean, each each person is is vocalizing what's important to them right 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 but but really it's it's just trying to herd cats in this uh, in this whole thing so navani is just overwhelmed by all the talking over each other and <laughs> yeah. saying things and then she tries to get back to talking to teravangian but it doesn't really work because her trying to focus the conversation on something like these shields that he's developing right it does it doesn't bring everybody in no because he's like uh it they're doesn't. good i guess yeah <laughs> The half shards, Navani says, addressing the room, will give us an edge against the enemy. We have given the plans to the Azish scholars, and I'm looking forward to pooling our resources and studying the process. Could it lead to shard plate? Queen Fen asks. Possibly, Navani says, but the more I study what we've discovered here in Urthiru, the more I've come to realize that our image of the ancients, having fantastic technology, was deeply flawed. An exaggeration at best, perhaps a fancy. But the shards, Fen says. Manifestations of Spren, Yasna interjects here. Not Fabrial technology. Even the gemstones that we've discovered containing words of ancient radiance during the days when they left Urthiru were crude, if used in a way we hadn't yet explored. All this time we've been assuming that we lost great technology in the desolations but it seems we are far, far more advanced than the ancients ever were. It is the process of bonding spren that we lost. Pretty cool, Not right? Not lost. Yeah, what's even cooler is what said after Yasna's yeah, yeah. thing here. Not lost, the Azish Prime said. Abandoned. Right. It's, a, it's really good reminding for the kid to us, reminding everybody, yeah. Reminding everyone that we didn't lose the ability to, um, to bond with the spren. We... 
it was abandoned for reasons. Right. Yeah, what do you think about this whole... Yeah, we don't, we don't know what caused the recreants. We don't know. Right. Still, we don't know. Um, but That's I, I right. want to ask you about this paragraph here um, uh-huh. the, um, that Navani starts and then uh, Yasna finishes this thought of this ancient technology that we used to revere as so far advanced is actually... The, the, those people were not advanced we're the ones who are advanced in our technologies. They just had the ability to bond sprens. And when we look back on them, they had these shard plates and shard blades, but those were just consequences of abandoning the oath pack. And that these blades became dead and the, 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 the shards were abandoned. Like the, the, the shard plates were abandoned. They didn't actually have great technologies like we have. We've literally created Fabrials and we created all these things. They just kind of abandoned this old magic that they had. And it seemed at first to us that it was high technology, but the thing that we don't have, we didn't have for a long time was the ability to bond spren. That was the only thing that they didn't have. Right. It's, it's kind of, I think what Yasna's kind of painting here is a picture of the past where magic accomplished things Mm -hmm. and then magic was abandoned. Right. And, and along the way, we've discovered more scientific discoveries. Mm-hmm. The use of gemstones, uh, unlocking their potential, creating fabrials, you know, mm-hmm. combining what's uh, in our realm and taking advantage of it mm-hmm. or making it work for us. I I don't quite see it the same way as Yasna is painting it. Um, I think that, you know, using, using magic or spren, um, to accomplish great things in the past. And it's clear that they were great. Mm-hmm. I mean, Urethiru is an ancient creation, is it not? Mm-hmm. So just the creation of it, you know, e- even if it was used with the bonding of spren is a great accomplishment. You can't accomplish things like that without acknowledging, I suppose, an element of wielding. Mm-hmm the ability to use science or technology of some kind. Right. Right. Uh, it's kind of like us looking back on the pyramids and wondering, well, how, how is that accomplished? And of course there's endless amounts of programs that try to answer that question right. and provide all kinds of different options mm-hmm. of how they were created. Would we say now we're more technologically advanced? Yep. That's what we would say. Mm-hmm. But to an ancient civilization, those accomplishments are also equally as inspiring is let's say the advent were probably the... advanced for their time and right yeah yeah so it's so it's kind of time and place Yasna's being a little a little proud i guess about where they're at now yeah she's definitely let's doing say. a veracitalian thing she's looking back at the past and re-examining yeah. its validity right what can we learn yeah. from looking back at the past well what she's saying yeah. is you know we may have misunderstood how they were is all she's saying. We right, might actually right. have better technologies now than they did then. I think that what she's saying, it sounds, it sounds like it's true. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it's true. It sounds like they, that you're wielding science, if you will, better now than maybe they did back then. Maybe they were accomplishing what they were doing with other means. Mm-hmm. Um, and those means, once you abandon the oaths, I guess there would, may have been a period of, uh, let's say, going back to the Dark Ages. Because you didn't have that technology uh, once you abandoned the spren. Right. Right? 
Like once you, once you betrayed your oaths. So it, it took all that time, if you will, in between the recreants to, to gain it all and back where they over. are now for all the technological advancements. Mm-hmm. It's, it's right. funny because when we, when we examine it through the lens of Dalinar's, um, um, visions, mm-hmm. um, the common people back in his visions were like bronze age technology. Right. That's right. right. And the only thing right. that made them high tech in that way was the appearance of surge binders and radiance who had, right. you know, shard blades and shard plates. So she might be m- m- talking about that. Like we've done research and in, in so much that research is through these right. visions. And we know the people back then were more bronze age tech than, than what we have now. Like we have steel right. now. You know what I right. mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. So. Um, so not lost, abandoned, the Azish prime says. He looks towards Dalinar, who sat in a relaxed posture, a posture that somehow read as, I'm, I'm in control here, don't pretend otherwise. Dalinar loomed over a room, even when trying to be unobtrusive. That furrowed, <laughs> dark, sorry, brow darkened his blue eyes. The way he rubbed his chin evoked the image of a man contemplating whom to execute first. Mm-hmm. This is, uh, you know, not necessarily the way I want Dalinar described at a time like this. It, it sort of seems like, uh, again, he's wrestling with something and, and, uh, showing his, um, showing his face, if you will. Mm -hmm. I mean, really what's important here is the more measured and calculated Dalinar that we had earlier that was reaching out to different kingdoms and wanting to form the coalition. He can't even be that person anymore though. He's so overwhelmed right with his inner thoughts yeah. about, right. you know, the, um, Evie and Rathalas and these memories that are flooding back that he can't, he's not able to be that person right now. Thank God right. Navani can be though. Yes. Thank God Navani can be. The attendees had arranged their seats roughly in a circle, but most of them faced Dalinar, which he kind of took or somebody's taking as if they, they didn't trust him mm-hmm. and to face him. The ancient oaths are spoken once more, Dalinar says. We are, again, radiant. And this time, we will not abandon you. I vow it. Nura, the vizier, whispered in the Azish prime's ear. And he nodded. We are still very concerned about the powers in which you dabble. These abilities. Who is to say that the lost radiance were wrong in abandoning them? They were frightened of something. And they locked these portals for a reason. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, this is all, it's, it's the greatest concern, right? Is this, this whole thing, mm-hmm. uh, is the new radiance, if you will, the, the new team that's being formed here are mistaken. Right. What if they give up too? What if they abandon too and we're all screwed? Well, that, or maybe just, maybe it's a mistake to, you know, unlock the gates and mm-hmm. to, you know, form the bond with the spren again. Mm-hmm. Like maybe that's part of the thing that's maybe not so good. Um, it is too late to turn back from this now, your majesty, Dalinar says. I have bonded the Stormfather himself. We must either use these abilities or crumple beneath the invasion. I don't quite share Dalinar's dichotomy, this, you know, it's this way or this way. Mm-hmm. I think it's, I, a little more subtle be, than that. There must be something else that's a little, just a little, uh, 
a little more uh, nuanced, let's say, between those two options. Bring order from the chaos, Navani's thinking. She gestured towards the bridgeman in lift. I understand your concern, but surely you have read our reports of the oaths these radiants follow. Protection, remembering the fallen, those oaths are proof that our cause is just and our radiants are trustworthy. The powers are in safe hands, your majesty. I think, ELA declares, I think we should stop dancing around and patting ourselves on the back. Hmm. Navani spun to face Ile. Don't you sabotage this, she thinks. Don't you dare. Mm-hmm. I love this so much. Yeah. That's like one of my favorite moments is when when Ile finally speaks up and then Navani's like, oh, like it's, it's like a battle between those two, yeah, right? Yeah, careful you. Yeah. yeah, I love it. It's really great. We are here, ELA continued, to focus our attention. We should be discussing where to invade to gain the best position for an extended war. Obviously, there is only one answer. Shinovar is a bounteous land. Their orchards grow without end. The land is so mild that even the grass has grown relaxed and fat. We should seize that land to supply our armies. Wow, extended war. She's saying, she's saying, let's conquer the world. Yeah. Because her first suggestion is, let's go conquer an area that's not representative in this council. Right. Yeah, it's crazy. I, uh, yeah, the the warmongering from her is uh, of great concern because, of course, all she needs is some agreement Mm -hmm. around the room, right? Um... With one targeted arrow, ELA Sadius, ELA Sadius proved what everyone whispered, that the Alethi were building a coalition to conquer the world and not just protect it. The Shin Mountains present a historical problem, said the Tashik ambassador. Attacking across or through them is basically impossible. We have the Oath Gates now, Fen said. Not to bring up that particular problem again, but... Has anyone investigated whether the, whether the Shin, whether the Shin one can be opened? Having Shinovar as a redoubt, difficult to invade conventionally, would help secure our position. So it's amazing that she just drops this one line. Yeah. And it's already being considered. Yeah. Yeah, because it, it's, yeah. because it's perfectly placed because the Shin aren't here. Right. Everyone, no one has to, in this coalition, n- no, the talk of invading, none of their areas are being talked about. So let's right. talk about the person who's not here. We need to know what the Oath Gates do, Tashik was saying. Could the Alethi not share with us everything that they've discovered regarding them? What about your people, Aladar shot back. They are the great traders in information... Could you share with us your secrets? All Tashiki information is freely available. Yeah, yeah, at a huge price. We need to... But, Emul, this whole thing is going to be a mess, Fen interrupts. I can see it already. We need to be able to trade freely, and Alethi Greed could destroy this. Alethi Greed, ELA demands. Are you trying to see how far you can push us? 
because I assure you Dalinar Colon will not be intimidated by a bunch of merchants and bankers. I like how ELA is speaking for Dalinar in that moment. Right. And she's just saying his reputation and what I know of him, he won't be pushed around. So she's not saying anything untrue, but the fact that it's ELA no. saying this about Dalinar is like, whoa. She's she's weaponizing Dalinar, yeah. and she's tr uh, gaining control of the room. She, with that sentence, I feel like she just removed uh, Navani out of the picture. Mm -hmm. It's like I'm speaking about your husband, and this is what he will do here. Like, how can Navani follow that up? You're right. Ela is speaking for Navani's husband. Yeah. Like, literally wrestling control from her. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's how she's fighting back, because she knows it's her versus Navani. Yeah. Ela is so, so her, fucking smart, bro. She's so her good. Her speaking, yeah, it's it's a really good maneuver, and it and Dalinar, I don't even think, uh, uh, contests what she said. If, if, <laughs> no, he if, I don't If I had been either. Dalinar in that moment, trying to keep this all together, I would have greatly disagreed with the characterization from ELA. It would be funny if we could see a picture of what's going on in, in Dalinar's head in that moment. And it's like that <laughs> meme where the dog's in a room that's burning and he's like, I'm fine. Everything's fine. Yeah. Everything's <laughs> but it's Rathalos <laughs> and he's like, it. everything's fine. Um, I thought it was brilliant of her to, uh, to, you know, to use Dalinar in that way. Yeah. He's not going to tolerate and basically shutting Queen Fen down. Right. Um, so, hang on. Uh, Banker's emergence. Please, Navani says to the growing uproar. Quiet. Nobody seemed to notice. Navani breathed out and then cleared her mind. Order from chaos. Just listen to them. She studied the chairs they'd brought, the tone of their voices, their fears, hidden behind what they demanded or requested. The shape of it started to make sense to her. Right now, this room was full of building materials. Pieces of a Fabriel. Each monarch, each kingdom was one piece. Dalinar had gathered them, but he hadn't formed them. Navani stepped up to the Azish Prime. People quieted as, shockingly, she bowed to him. Your Excellency, what would you say is the Azish people's greatest strength? Well, our laws, he finally replied. Your famed bureaucracy, Navani said, your clerks and scribes, and by extension, the great information centers of Tashik, the timekeepers and storm wardens of Yazir, the Azish legions. You are the greatest organizers on Roshar. I've long envied your orderly approach to the world. Perhaps this is why your essay was so well received, Brightness, Colin, the emperor said. And we have to remember that her essay is the thing that made them even consider right. it, right? Even belonging here. That's yeah. Right. Um, in light of your skill, I wonder, would anyone in this room complain if a specific task were assigned to your scribes? We need procedures, a code of how our kingdoms are to interact and how we're to share resources. Would you, of Azir, be willing to create this? And the viziers looked shocked, immediately began talking to one another in hushed, excited tones. And it looks like, sorry, the looks of delight on their faces were enough proof that, yes, indeed, they'd be willing. Right. I love this. Yeah. This is this is Navani. And you know what I love about Navani is that it wasn't below the belt. She didn't no. have to go personal on no. ELA. Didn't have to go after her. Just 
completely scrubbed around her, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, went for what's important and got them, got them in interested in playing to their strengths. Yeah. They literally as gave you, them exactly what you wanted. Aces, aces, aces in, in their places. places. Yeah. That, right. Yeah. She literally was like, what do they love the most? Oh yeah. Right. Let's make them do they that. Like, so let's get them. Now they say, I think they have a, a little line back here. They're shocked. Now wait, Fen inter- interjected. Are you talking of laws that we all have to follow? Navani says, more and less than laws. We need codes to guide our interactions. Codes, bro. I like that. I fucking love it. Yeah, dude. Codes. We don't need laws. It, like, this is something beyond law. This right. is... Something yeah. that we have to be willing to obey. Right. Not that we're for, we are forced to obey a law, but you want to obey a code. Right. Yeah. We need codes to guide our interactions as proven by today. We must have procedures on how to hold meetings and how to give each other a turn and how to share information. I don't know if Thelena can agree to even that. Well, surely you'd want to see what the codes contained first, Queen Fen. After all, we are going to need to admi- administrate trade through the Oath Gates. I wonder who has excellent expertise in shipping caravans and trade in general. You'd give that to us? Queen Fen asks. Well, it seems logical. Sabario choked <laughs> softly on the snacks that he'd been eating, and Polona pounded him on the back. He'd wanted that job. Well, that will teach you to show up late to my meeting. To my meeting. Yeah, buddy. And make uh, and make only wisecracks, Navani noted. She glanced at Dalinar, who seemed worried. Well, he always seemed worried lately. I'm not giving you the oath gates, Navani said to Fen, but someone has to oversee trade and supplies. It would be a natural match for the Thalen merchants, so long as a fair agreement can be reached. Huh, so this is brilliant of her. Yeah. So that's two two in a row that she tasks. Yeah. Two two nations. Two monarchs. Give them what they want. Right. And really it's more than two because she wraps I think she wraps up Azir and the other three. Yeah, Imul. Um, Im- right. Yeah. Tashik. So yeah. she gets four all of them will together. they'll go where Azir goes. Right. Right. So she's up to five right now. Yeah. Yeah. In just in a few sentences. in just a few moments. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Um I'm not giving the oath gates. Huh, Fen says, settling back. She glanced at her consort who shrugged. And the Alethi? The petite Yazir princess asks. What of you? Well, we do excel at one thing, Navani said. She looked to Emul. Would you accept help from our generals and armies to help you secure what's left of your kingdom? Ah, I thought this was brilliant too. It is brilliant. Because that's what Amul wanted is, look, I've got a decimated kingdom here, yeah. right? Um, by every Kadesix that has ever been holy, Amul says, yes, of course, please. I have several scribes who are experts in uh, fortification, Aladar suggested from his seat behind Dalinar and Yasna. They could survey your remaining territory and give you advice on securing it. And recovering what we've lost, Amul asked. Ile opened her mouth to speak because she was wanting to continue her warmongering, but Yasna cut her off. Yeah. Because that's the thing. Emul has lost territory. Right. So, re- so reclaiming is, of course, war. Right. So Ile was, oh, war. I'm going to. Oh, yeah, let's great. go. 
Um, but Yasna cut her off and says, I propose that we entrench ourselves first. Takar, Eri, Shinovar, each of these looks tempting to attack, but what good will that do if we stretch ourselves too, too far? We should focus on securing our lands as they now stand. Mm-hmm. That's a great line from Yasna. Right. So her mom owns the room, warmonger. It's kind of nice, actually, that it was the daughter. Yeah. That, that secures this, this line. Mm-hmm. And this brings like Dalinar it. a little bit out of his own head here. Right. Yes, Dalinar says, we shouldn't be asking ourselves, where should we strike? But instead, where will our enemies strike next? Right. You know what? It reminds me of Gretzky. Skate to where the puck is going. Yeah, it's going to be, not where it is. It's yeah. going to be, not yeah. where it is, yep. where it's going to be. Um, they've secured three positions, High Prince Alidar says. Erie, Marat, and Alethkar. Yeah, but you sent an expedition, Fen said, to reclaim Alethkar. Navani caught her breath, glancing at Dalinar. He nodded slowly. Alethkar has fallen. Navani says. The expedition has failed. Our homeland is overrun. And there was stunned silence amongst the others. Right. Yasna continued for her. Oh, I love this. This is great. I love this. I didn't really get to delight on this when I was reading. Pick up on the back and um, forth between mother and daughter kind of thing. Yeah, mother and daughter. Yasna's there to back her up. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yasna says the last of our armies have retreated into her daz or... Yaakoved, harried and confused by enemies who can fly, or by the sudden attacks of shock troops of Parshman, our only holdouts are on the southern border by the sea. Kolinar has fallen completely. The Oathgate is lost to us, but we've locked it on our side so that it cannot be used to reach Urathiru. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Fen says. My daughter is correct, Navani says, trying to project strength. We should apply our efforts first toward making sure no more nations fall. My homeland, the prime of Emul, began. No, Nura said in thickly accented Alethi. I'm sorry, but no. If the Voidbringers had wanted your last nibble of land, Vexel, they'd have taken it. The Alethi can help you secure what you have, and it seems generous of them to do so. The enemy brushed past you to gather in Marat conquering only what was necessary on the way. Their eyes are turned elsewhere. Oh my, Teravangian said, could they be coming for me? It does seem a reasonable assumption, Aunak said. The Vedan civil war left the country in ruin, and the border between Alethkar and Yakovet is porous. Hmm. Oh my, could they be yeah, coming for just... me? Yeah. It really makes me think that he's the smart one right now. Yeah, you think so? Yeah. He's and playing, this is a playing dumb. perfectly placed, like, where do we send help? Well, what about me? Oh, what about me? Yeah. What about the old man? Yeah, you know what? I think you're, I think you're probably right. Like, he's kept pretty much silent this whole time. This whole time until that moment. Yeah. It's, it feels like he's the smart one. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe, Delinar says, I've fought on that border. It's not as easy a battlefield as it would seem. Mm-hmm. We must defend Yaakovet, Teravangian says. When the king gave me the throne, I, I promised that I'd care for his people. If the Voidbringers attack us, 
The worry in his voice gave Navani an opportunity. She stepped back into the center of the room. We won't allow that to happen, will we? I will send troops to your aid, Teravangian, Dalinar says, but one army can be construed as an invading force, and I am not intending to invade my allies, even in appearance. <coughs> Pardon me. <coughs> can we not mortar this alliance with a show of solidarity? Will anyone else help? I really love this tactic. If I send a bunch of soldiers into your country, it does right. appear like I'm invading. But if we send an army made up of a bunch Coalition. of different countries, then it looks like a peacekeeping force. Right. Right? It's awesome. No, it's. I'm, I'm glad that Dalinar was of sound mind enough at that moment Agreed. to suggest it. Mm -hmm. um, we will send five battalions to Yakoved, he said. This will prove an important test of mobility through the Oath Gates. Oh, will anyone else help? The Azish Prime regarded Dalinar. Behind him, the viziers and scions conducted a private conversation by writing on pads of paper, and when they finished, Vizier Nura leaned forward and whispered to the Emperor, We will send five battalions. So he got five battalions from, from Azir. Yeah. This will prove an important test of mobility through the Oath Gates King Teravangian. Will, you will have the support of Azir. I wonder if Teravangian wanted that. We don't know what he that. wants, bro. The, I know. We know, I know eventually he wants, we know for a fact, he has told yeah. his entourage that his job is to um, undermine Dalinar's leadership in the coalition and take over. Right. Now, that's not happening here. No. But little by little, that's his goal, yeah. right? So That's his goal. Yeah. yeah. She gave leave for the meeting to take a pause. Enjoy some refreshments. We're at intermission here. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, Navani settles down in her seat beside Dalinar. You've promised away a great deal, he noted, giving Fen control of trade and supply. Administration is different from control, Navani said. But either way, did you think you were going to make this coalition work without giving something up? No, of course not, he stated outward. That haunted expression made her shiver. What did he, what did you remember, Dalinar? And what did the Night Watcher do to you? They needed the Blackthorn. She needed the Blackthorn. His strength to quiet the sick worry inside of her, his will to forge this coalition. She took his hand in hers, but he stiffened, then stood up. He did that whenever he felt he was growing too relaxed. It was as if he was looking for danger to face. I want to just point out here that they needed the Blackthorn, like, no, they, but it's kind of like what they don't need. Right. What they need is the new Dalinar. Right. They need the Night Radiant Dalinar. Right. The, the um. They need the Bondsmith Dalinar. The Bondsmith, the Bond, they need the Bondsmith. Yeah. You're right. You know, like, and, and I almost feel like him, like, recoiling there in that paragraph from her, like, you know, stood up stiffened and then stood up like getting you know getting away from her it's almost like he can feel that like that's how you interpret me like mm -hmm. you want me to be the blackthorn i can't go back don't you know what i've done right. what i've suffered well she hasn't right she doesn't know what he's done because he hasn't told anybody right well he also he was probably recoiling from her touch because he probably feels like he doesn't deserve her 
or that he yeah. will hurt her. Well, we know he feels that. Yeah. He, we know he feels that yeah. about her. He's been longing for her for a long time. It's kind of great how we're not in his POV, but we can kind of tell what he's thinking. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I really it love that. Cool. It's really cool. Um, she stood up beside him. We need to get you out of the tower to get a new perspective and visit someplace new. And he says, that would be good. I'm, I'm so happy that Dalinar sees that, mm-hmm. the value in that. Yeah. Teravangian was speaking of having you um, tour Vidnar personally. If we're going to send Colon troops into the kingdom, it would make sense for you to get a feel for the situation there. Very well, mm-hmm. he says. Now, this is where my suspicion bells go off a little bit here. Mm-hmm. She's encouraging him to go to... Vidnar. Yakovet. Yeah. Yakovet, right? Yeah. So, I don't know. It just seems like putting Dalinar t- closer to Teravangian yeah. is not good. Yeah. They have no reason to, th- to think it's not good. We do, though. We do. Yeah, we have a reason right. to think that's not a good idea, maybe. The Azish called for her, asking for clarification on what direction she wanted them to take with their coalition bylaws. She left Dalinar, but couldn't leave off worrying about him She'd have to burn a glyph ward today, a dozen of them, for Elokar and for the others. Except part of the problem was that Dalinar claimed nobody was watching the prayers as they burned, sending twisting smoke to the tranquiline halls. But did she believe that, truly? Today she'd taken a huge step toward unifying Roshar, yet she felt more powerless than ever. What a great chapter. Because she relinquished power mm-hmm. in this, like, so you would feel a bit unglued, unknown. For sure. You just gave trade to, to Queen Fen. You just gave the law, the creation of the codes to the, to the, uh, to the Azir nations. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a great, I, I love, it, t- it took us time to get through it, but I'm glad that we spent the time on it. And I unearthed uh, a couple little things that you know when talking with you about this mm-hmm. potting with you you know that back and forth with yasna supporting your mother was great it's awesome like i love the idea that at the right time i love like, the idea that Eli Dalinar... was effectively sh- sorry no no go ahead go ahead Eli was effectively shut down yeah like Eli did not get the last word here no and and i, f- I kind of feel like what's missing here is Eli's reaction to this right like being, being cut out. Well, that's, that's how much she was cut out is that we didn't even get to see her negative reaction right. to it. That's how unimportant yeah. she was by the end of the chapter. By the end of this. Yeah. I, I just like, love like, how, you know, Dalinar, th- 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 there's no action in this, this chapter, but it's full yeah. of action of a different yeah, sort. 100%. Right. This is, this yeah. is Navani's battlefield. This is her arena. This is her dueling. Yeah. She's dueling ELA. She's, she's trying to like, you know, get the crowd on her side. <laughs> it's great. I love it so much. This, this is, this is, uh, you know, crazy pressure put on diplomacy checks, persuasion checks, yeah. uh, charisma checks galore. This yeah. is role playing at its best. I love, um, yeah. there's a line she says here. Uh, the the, the shape says? of it, yeah, this is Navani. The shape of oh, it started yeah. to make sense to her. Right now, this right. room was full of building material, pieces of right. a fade girl. Each monarch, each kingdom, one piece. Yeah. Dalinar had gathered them, but he hadn't formed them yet. And who right. better to form them than someone who is an engineer, an artifabrian right. who can put all those pieces together? Yeah. It's great. 
she's uh, she's a really fascinating uh, like her two talents here um, put on display. So um, so as a scientist or en- or an engineer, let's say, mm-hmm. uh, as well as a leader, right? Like a diplomat. So you've like got a, you've yeah. got the diplomat or mm-hmm. the senator, you know, sort of component. Yeah. So or actually, or let's let's put it into I mean, she's the queen. Mm-hmm. I mean, she she's behaving like a very competent queen. Here. Yeah, it's and really she's great. had long, long time to to hone those skills, right? Yeah, you know what? And she always described as being, or not always, but she made mention that she felt like she was living underneath Gavilar, right? right? Like, right. Negatively too. That was a negative connotation to it. That he might not have been the nice person that everyone thinks he was, or whatever. Yes, right. So it was kind of a, a hint at what Gavilar could have been, mm-hmm. let's say, to her yeah. and uh, uh, and their relationship and time together. Um, I was suspicious that it was an indication of her being power hungry. Right. Yeah, right. Right. So that's what I was uh, was uh, concerned with. Mm-hmm. I but. Another little tiny little highlight to kind of wrap it all up is when she says, she thinks, my meeting. I love it. My meeting. I yeah, love it. I know. It's that so was, great. That was, the, that was the other gem. You're right. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I was trying to think. There was a couple little ones, like the back and forth. With yeah. The and, yeah. My meeting. Yeah. It's great. It's it's like it's like when uh, Kaladin claims the skies. Yeah. Like they're mine. <laughs> yeah. They're mine. You know yeah. what I mean? Like this meeting is mine. It. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, I like yeah. that a lot. That's awesome. Okay. Great chapter. Okay. So the next chapter is chapter 97. Mm-hmm. Now, how do we get this? Help me get this name right. Is it Raino? I felt, I fe- kind of feel like it might be the name of that small city in the United States that's like Las Vegas, Reno. Reno. Yeah. I Reno's think? good. I don't mind I don't mind doing Reno, but I was wondering with the double i. Mhm. It's um, definitely not in, Rhino. It um you're right, right. It could be, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's I, not it, Rhino? it doesn't really matter. Um, Reno, I, I did listen to it on audible and I don't remember what they, how they pronounce okay. it on audible. So, okay. So let's, we haven't settled on it, but let's, uh, let's settle on, on, on Reno, I guess. Mm-hmm. This chapter is quite fascinating. And this is where we, this chapter very aptly could have been named sardines. Right. <laughs> sardines. Sardines. In a can. Um, <clears throat> of the unmade. Ja'anat was most feared by the Radiance. They spoke extensively of her ability to corrupt Spren, though only lesser Spren, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. The unmade Ja'anat feared to um, have the ability to corrupt Spren. What right. do you make of that? Well, we know that we know that she does that. Because right. Shalon made note of it at the, in Kolinar, yep. you know, the anger spread looked different, the, all that stuff. So they all looked different. They were all right. corrupted by her presence. Right. But the, uh, Hesse here in Mythica is saying only lesser spread. So does that mean that Ja'anat cannot corrupt like Sil, Sil or, or uh, Pattern or any of the other kind of spread? Right. Yeah. We, we're not, we don't really know. Um, remember, <clears throat> this is an old tome, this Hesse's Mythica. Right. So Mythica. Maybe, yeah. maybe Jeanot has the ability to do that and Hesse just never knew she did. Right. Or the, the writings she found said that she couldn't, but we, we don't really know. The only evidence we have so far is that she absolutely can corrupt lesser spread. Right. 
Kaladin remembered holding a dying woman's hand during his days as a slave. He remembered crouching in the darkness, thick forest underbrush scratching his skin, the night around him too quiet. The animals had fled. They knew something was wrong. Mm -hmm. The other slaves didn't whisper, shift or cough in their hiding places. He'd taught them well. God, I love that. Mm -hmm. He taught them to be quiet. Yeah. How to survive, how to protect. <clears throat> we have to go. We have to move. He tugged on Nalma's hand. He'd promised to help the older woman find her husband. She resisted his tug. The underbrush was safe for the moment, but it was also too obvious. The Bright Lords had chased them in circles for days, getting closer and closer. Stay here and the slaves would be captured. He tugged again. As she passed the signal to the next slave all the way down the line, then she clung to his hand as he led them, as quietly as he, as he could, toward where he remembered a game trail. Get away. Find freedom. Find honor again. It had to be out there somewhere. The snapping sound of the trap closing sent a jolt through Kaladin. A year later, he'd still wonder how he missed stepping in it himself. It got Nalma instead. She yanked her hand from his as she screamed. Hunter's horns moaned in the night. Light burst from newly unshielded lanterns, showing men in uniforms among the trees. Oh, Stormfather, Kaladin whispered. Stormfather, no. Kaladin. She said through clenched teeth, Kaladin, run. Arrows cut down several of the fleeing slaves. Traps caught two others. In the distance, a voice called out, Wait, that's my property you're cutting down. A, ne a necessity, Bright Lord, a stronger voice said, the local High Lord. Unless you want to encourage more of this behavior. So much blood. Kaladin uselessly made a bandage for Nalma, tried to push him away, to make him run. Or as Nalma tried to push him away, he took her hand and held it, instead weeping as she died. After killing the others, the Bright Lords found him still kneeling there. Against reason, they spared him. They said it was because he hadn't run with the others, but in truth they needed someone to bear warning to the other slaves. Regardless of the reason Kaladin had lived, he always did. Cool, right? <clears throat> Crazy. Like, so this is like a... the last chapter that we had with Kaladin where we didn't have an official seven years ago flashback. Right. But right. we get him contemplating his life. Right. This is... Uh... <sighs> So this is shortly after he became a slave then. Right. This is before Bridge Four. Mm -hmm. Before he's on his way with Tavlakov in the slave right. pens in on the, his way the... to the Shattered Plains. This is during, in that time when he was in the slave pens with Tavlakov, he told us that he tried to escape many times as a slave. Many times. And that he had, right. been, he had changed hands many times. So this is probably one of those times. Right. Yeah, it's, it's harsh. It just, uh. It never ceases to amaze me how much this character is holding in, mm -hmm. right? Um, I love the fact that he uh, uselessly was trying to make her the um, 
the bandage knowing he, he knew that she was dead. Yeah. But he was just going through the motions anyways. Yeah. No, it was really great. Um, anything else in there that you can, that you think of find freedom, find honor again. Mm -hmm. I find it interesting how he had this sense of find honor, escape. And then of course, when we catch up with him in way of Kings, um, he really enters into being the wretch there. Mm -hmm. Like, like the, the experience of bridge four initially nearly destroyed him. Right. Yeah. I, I, I if, if I, if there's anything in this little uh, POV that I uh, want to like, kind of think about is yep. that line when he says a year later and he still wondered how he missed it. Missed stepping in it himself. Yeah. Right. Like he yeah. still thinks about that. <clears throat> yep. So, you know, there's nothing in here that would suggest Sill's presence or, or anything like that. But he, he still thinks like how close it would have been, how close it was that it was almost him that stepped right. in it and not Nelma. Right. So some right. things are meant to be, and some things are just coincidental, I think. You know what I'm just thinking about now is, um, is just how, uh, bridge four is so confident, you know, Cal and laughing. He's, mm -hmm. uh, he's always going to survive. Yeah. But yet if we start off with the wretch and how bridge four nearly killed him bridge four the experience of that mm -hmm. is living under that was sadius right sadius nearly killed kaladin right it's true and he's had a few other close calls as well mm -hmm. the assassin sure. in white yep that was close yep. that battle at the um um in at the, at uh, the castle the um... at the at, at the castle and yeah, I, I, I don't share Bridge Four's uh, confidence. Right. It, this this is a good example been of it. close. This is a good yeah. example of it, is that it was that close to him dying. Yeah. And he could have been, he could have been Nelma, and he could have been the one that's, de that's dead, and then all of this would be different, right? Everything would be different, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And then even, even, you could even go so far as to say, you know, Sadius nearly killed him, the assassin Whites nearly killed him, the Stormfather nearly killed like the yeah. storm nearly killed him if he if he hadn't had that little bit of stormlight right or the, if he hadn't had that gem in his hand he wouldn't have right. been able to heal himself right right yeah so close yeah i don't know anyways just thinking about that yeah it's cool okay so back to this <clears throat> so we get a little change here there was no underbrush here in shadesmar so we're back to shadesmar kaladin mm -hmm. was creeping up towards the lighthouse he was scouting ahead, but he didn't trust this dark land. I like that referring mm -hmm. to this, like a shadow realm or something. Yeah. He focused on staying low to the ground, trying to use rifts in the black stone to hide his approach. I could really picture this actually. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, stepping silently wasn't difficult on this glassy ground. <clears throat> the lighthouse was a large stone tower. Yeah, this was total D&D. Approaching this tower, sure. sneaking up. This yeah. is classic. Uh, there's a bonfire atop the, the uh, lighthouse. It threw a flagrant orange glow over the point of the peninsula. Where did they get the fuel for that thing? It's mm -hmm. a very good question. Yeah. 
After a short time, something crawled out of the beads of the ocean near him. A round, lurg-like creature with a, fl- with a fat, bulbous body and squat legs, about the size of a toddler. It hopped close to him, then tipped the entire top half of its head forward. A long tongue shot up in the air from the gaping mouth. It began to flap and wave. It was an anticipation spren. They looked like streamers on his side, but those were waving tongues? What other simple, stable parts of his life were complete lies? Mm. Well, they would have they would have seen these spren in uh, the physical realm, and they would have been like yeah. these nice streamers. Yeah, but they turn out to be tongues of a bigger creature. Yeah, it's so weird. That's it's crazy so crazy weird. Yeah. Um. So he's saying shoo shoo to these anticipation spren that keep mm-hmm. coming. Finally, he just has to move forward from his position to get closer because. Yeah. And what's funny is that they're trailing behind him. Right. Like he can't he's shake them attracting off. them like, because he's anticipating the uh, right. getting there, right? So it was undermining his stealth on his approach. He managed to reach the wall of the tower where he might have expected the heat of the enormous fire to be oppressive, but instead he could barely feel it. Mm-hmm. Notably, the flames caused his shadow to have normal, to, sorry, uh, to behave normally, extending behind him instead of pointing towards the sun. He took a breath and then glanced up through the open shuttered window into the ground floor of the lighthouse. Inside, he saw a shin, an old shin man, wrinkled skin and a completely bald head, sitting in a chair, reading by a sphere light. A human, Kaladin, couldn't decide if that was a good sign or not. Mm -hmm. The old man began to turn a page in his book and then froze, looking up. Kaladin ducked down, heart thumping. Those stupid anticipation spren continued to crowd nearby, but their <laughs> tongues shouldn't be visible through the window. Hello? An accented voice called from inside the lighthouse. Who's out there? Show yourself. Kaladin sighed and then stood up. So much for his promise to do some stealthy reconnaissance. Yeah, he rolled in that one, but he didn't. <laughs> he actually probably there. rolled a really good s- a stealth check. And then the anticipation spread and just... He rolled a bad saving throw on his emotions. <laughs> we've talked we've talked a little bit about this how how hard it would be to um like lie and like do all these things in this world because the spren would just give you away. Give you away. Yeah. Are you mad? No, I'm uh, no, I'm not mad. And then there's like anger spren all over the place. Yeah. You're like, "Okay, I'm a little mad." Anger spren? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm a little mad. Yeah. Or you just or you just double down. I don't know why they're there. Yeah, th- th- you must be mad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you must be mad. <laughs> yeah. Must be something else around me that's mad. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah, so I, I've, um, I've always found it funny that these spread will literally, they're, they're not doing you any fucking favors. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, no, they're tattletales. Yeah, it's crazy. For sure they are, yeah. So we get a little change here. Yeah, a little POV we go back change. To, we go, yeah, we go back to Shalon. Shallan waited with the others in the shadow of a strange rock growth, like a mushroom made from obsidian. Mm-hmm. Pattern said it was alive, but very, very slow. Cool. That's the eh? way he described it. Yeah. Is it just a tree? Maybe. An obsidian tree <clears throat> or Sounds something? reasonable. Yeah. Um, Shallan knew nothing about 
that sort of work in terms of the scouting that Kaladin was doing, but Vale did. But Vale still felt broken from what had happened in Kolinar. That was dangerous. Where would Shallan hide now? As Radiant? Mm -hmm. Find the balance, Wit had said. Accept the pain, but don't accept the fact that you deserved it. Is this our She's... first POV with Shallan since... Um, like the stuff Since at Colinar? I think it might be. Um, since coming here, we've had, we've had dialogue from her since being but here. But not her, not POV though. Not POV maybe, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, so it's good to know she's still struggling with all this stuff inside. Yeah, where to hide next. So she wants to, can't hide behind, uh, veil anymore so yeah. she, now she's considering hiding behind radiant right but she can't because she needs to get stuff done so she's just right shallan right now she got out her sketchbook and began to draw some of the spread that they'd seen so sil says sitting on a rock nearby and swinging her legs i've always wondered does the world look weird to you or normal weird pattern says hmm same as for everyone I guess neither of us technically have eyes, Sil says, leaning back and <laughs> looking up at the glassy canopy of their free mushroom shelter. We're each a bit of power made manifest. We honor Spren, mimic honor himself. You cryptics mimic, what, weird stuff? <laughs> the fundamental underlying mathematics by which natural phenomena occur. Mm, truths that explain the fabric of existence. Yeah, weird stuff. <laughs> Amazing. So I love his response. Yeah. So this is really, really cool. Um, Shalon lowered her pencil looking at what she drew with dissatisfaction. It looked like a child's scribble. And I love this next line. Veil was seeping out. Yeah. Yeah. So her drawing was crude and when... So that's like... Dude, that's... <coughs> that's majorly cool. Yeah. I love that. It's really awesome. Um, veil was seeping out. I love that. That has always been you, Shalon. You just have to admit it and allow it. I'm trying, Wit, she whispered. You all right? Adolin asks, kneeling beside her, putting his hand on her back and then rubbing her shoulders. Oh, that felt good. They'd walked entirely too far these last few days. He glanced at her sketch pad. More, what, what did you call it? Abstractionalism? She snapped the sketch pad closed. What is taking that bridgeman so long? She glanced over her shoulder, which interrupted Adolin. Don't stop, she added, or I will murder you. He chuckled and continued working at her shoulders. He'll be fine. You were worried about him yesterday. Yeah, he's got battle fatigue. But an objective that will help... Uh, but an objective will help with that. We have to watch him when he's sitting around doing nothing, not when he's got a specific mission. Yeah. I like this observation from Adolin. From Adolin, yeah. <clears throat> if you say so, she nods towards Azure, who stood by the coast, staring across the ocean of beads. What do you make of her? Well, that uniform is well-tailored, Adolin says, but the blue doesn't work with her skin. She needs a lighter shade. The breastplate is, is overly much... Like she's trying to prove something. I do like the cape, though. I've always wanted to justify wearing one. Father gets away with it, but I never could. 
I wasn't asking for a wardrobe assessment, Adolin. <laughs> well, clothing says a lot about people. Yeah? What happened to the fancy suit you got in Kolinar? He looked down, which stopped the massaging of shoulders for an unacceptably, an unacceptable count of three. <laughs> so she growled at him. It didn't fit me anymore, he said, resuming the massage. But you do raise an important problem. Yes, we need to find food and drink, but I have to wear the same uniform this entire trip. You won't have to murder me. I'll commit suicide. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. This little back and forth. You know what's funny is that it doesn't fit him anymore. Well, is it because he gained a few pounds? He's like, Meh. It doesn't fit like, him that... anymore as in like... What? He... What doesn't fit him? Well, uh, truthfully, what I thought of this was that... I wasn't sure. He's not that person anymore. Yeah, okay. Because at the very end of part three, he's like... Doesn't suit him anymore. My cousin's dead. My father's yeah. abdicating. And I'm next in line to be king. Right. So that frilly, fancy dra uh, outfit I wore, it doesn't fit right. me anymore. Right. Doesn't suit me. I think that's what he's getting at a little bit. Yeah. You know? Time to become more kingly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll commit suicide. Shalon had almost forgotten that she was hungry. How odd. She sighed, closing her eyes and trying not to melt too much into the feeling of his... So even this, how odd. She's not hungry here. Why? The spren don't eat here, right? Right. They don't get hungry. Mm -hmm. So I want to ask you this. Are they becoming spren here? Um, no. Probably not. I think the easier explanation is that they've... Um, they have so much going on right now that they're, she's kind of just forgetting to eat or forgetting that she's okay. hungry. Like they don't have any food okay. left. I don't think. Uh, another question. Does time pass in Shadesmar? I think it does. Um, there's so very little we know about Shadesmar at this point. Okay. So. Yeah, I was just I had a few questions about that because I I was thinking, wow, that's that'd be a really another really weird thing is if the characters are becoming like Spren while here. Well, the 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 sun stays <clears throat> in the same position, so there's no passage of time in that sense. Right, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything because passage of time does not necessarily correlate with position of the sun either. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So I don't I don't know. That's a tricky mm, one. Interesting. Am I on to something that you know about, or is it just, these are just postulations? They're just postulations, yeah. I'm okay. not, uh, I don't, I don't, they haven't talked about it, I don't think. Huh, Aelin said a short time later, Shalon, what do you suppose that is? She followed his nod and spotted an odd little spren floating through the air, bone white and brown. It had wings extending to the sides and long tresses for a tail. In front of its body hovered a cube. Looks like those glory spren we saw earlier, she noted. Only the wrong color. And the shape of the head is... Corrupted, Sil said. That's one of Odium's. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I, th I love that ending. I thought that was great. Yeah. I, I, but we don't... But it was a little bit of a trick. Right. Which is great. Um, next POV. As he stepped inside the lighthouse... We're back to Kaladin. Yeah. Instincts drove him to check the either, either side of the doorway for anyone waiting in ambush. The room seemed empty, save for the furniture. 
and the Shin Man, and some strange pictures on the walls. The place smelled of incense and spice. The Shin Man snapped his book closed. Cutting it close, aren't you? Well, let us begin. We haven't much time. He stood up, proving himself to be rather short. His odd clothing had puffed out portions on the arms. So he's wearing a puffy shirt. He is. This is the puffy shirt. He's it's, a pirate. He's Jerry Seinfeld. He's Jerry Seinfeld. He's, he's, the, the trousers were very tight. He walked to a door at the side of the chamber. I should fetch my companions, Kaladin said. Ah, but the very best readings happen at the beginning of the high storm. The man checked a small device only two minutes off. A high storm? Azure had said they didn't need to worry about those in Shadesmar. Wait, Kaladin says, stepping after the little man who had entered a room built up against the base of the lighthouse. It had large windows, but its main feature was a a small table at the center, and there was something covered by a black cloth. Kaladin was curious. That was good, after the darkness of the last few days, so he stepped in, glancing to the sides once again. One wall contained a picture of people kneeling before a bright white mirror. Another was a cityscape at dusk with a group of low houses clustered before an enormous wall that had light glowing beyond it. Have we seen those images before? Um, I don't know. People kneeling before a bright white mirror. I don't recall it, but mm-hmm. I was I was wondering. Doesn't sound like it. Well, let's begin, the man says. You have come to witness the extraordinary, and I shall provide it. The price is a mere two marks of stormlight. You shall be greatly rewarded in kind, both in dreams and luster. Ah, uh, yeah, but I, I should really get my friends, Kaladin says. The man whipped the cloth off the table, revealing a large crystalline globe. It glowed with a powerful light, bathing the room in luminescence. Kaladin blinked against it. Was that stormlight? Mm-hmm. Are you balking at the price, the man said? What is the money to you? Potential? If you never spend it, you gain nothing by having it. And the witness of what is to come will far recompense you for small means uh, expended. I, Kaladin says, I have no idea what you're talking about. The Shin Man frowned, face lit from the, um, from below like the globe. You came here for a fortune, didn't you? To the, now, is it Re? I guess, Re. To the Re Oracle? You wish me to see the unwalked paths during the high storm when realms blend? See, there's the realms blend. Mm Mm-hmm, yeah. A fortune? You mean fortune foretelling the future? Kaladin felt a bitter taste in his mouth. The future is forbidden. Mm-hmm. The old man cocked his head. But isn't this why you came to see me? Well, storms, no. I'm, I'm looking for passage. We heard that ships come by here. The old man rubbed the bridge of his nose and sighed. Passage? Why didn't you say so? And I was really enjoying the speech. Ah, well, a ship? Let me see. Let me check my calendars. I think supplies are coming soon, he bustled past Kaladin, muttering to himself. Outside, the sky rippled with light. The clouds shimmered, gaining a strange, ethereal luminescence. 
Calden gaped and then glanced back at the little man who had fetched a ledger from a side table. That, is that what a high storm looks like on this side? Hmm? Oh, uh, new, are you? You, uh, how have you gotten into Shadesmar but not seen a storm pass? Did you come directly from the perpendicularity? The old man frowned. Not a lot of people coming through there anymore. Right. Okay, so the perpendicularity, that's been mentioned before. Yes. Okay. This is the one where um, they talked about it in the Horn Eater Peaks. Okay. And it's like a gateway. It's not an oath gate. It's just a natural. Not an oath gate. It's an, just a natural gateway between this world and the, the other. So a, a rift of some kind. Right. Interesting. Honors perpendicularity, I think it's called. Not a lot of people coming through there anymore. That light, the bright sphere on the table, as large as a man's head and glowing with a milky light. It was shifting colors, matching the pearlescent ripples above. There was no gemstone inside that globe, and the light seemed different, transfixing. Here now, <clears throat> the man said to Kaladin, stepping forward. Don't touch that. It's only for the trained uh, fortune. Kaladin rested his hand on the sphere and felt himself get carried away by the storm. Mm-hmm. So. Very cool. Really great. Reading it for the first time, I was like, oh, what's going to happen? I yeah. could, it was amazing. We go back to Shallan. Shallan and the others dodged for cover, but too slowly. The strange spren flitted right under their small canopy. Right, so we're back to this odium spren that's, mm-hmm. that's here. Right. The corrupted glory spren landed on Shallan's arm. Odium suspects that you survived, a voice said in her mind. That was the voice of the unmade from the mirror, Ja Anat. Mm-hmm. He thinks something strange happened to the Oathgate because of our influence. We've never managed to enlighten such powerful spren before. It's believable that something odd might happen. To enlighten with a capital E such powerful spren. Mm-hmm. Who are the spren? The, the two spren that we saw on Shadesmar's side that make up the Oathgate. Right. Right. So they corrupted the Oathgate. She's calling it enlightened. We enlightened them and we didn't know what was going to happen when we did it. What was going to happen. Right. But she's saying, I lied. Right. Okay. Um, happened because of our influence, we've never managed to enlighten such powerful spren before. It's believable that something odd might happen. I lied and said, I think you were sent far, far from the point of transfer. So John not saying I lied to Odium. Yeah. That's interesting. Very interesting. Isn't it that one of the unmade is has the ability to lie and betray the others? Isn't there's the there's a, there's a quote a that legend? I read to you that Buzzkill gave us to to read that was right. like the one of them will betray the others. Right. Interesting. Something like that. I don't know if that's the the exact quote. I'm just paraphrasing or whatever, but that's what it was. He has minions in this realm and they will be told to hunt you. So take care. Fortunately, he doesn't know that you're a light weaver. He thinks you are an else caller for some reason. 
That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Odium thinks that Shallan is an, is an else caller. Yeah. This is part of the thing that they were trying to accomplish with all these other people too. They didn't right. want her being known as a light weaver because that takes away her ability to be in disguise. So because she right. can do what Yasna can do, they've told everyone she's an else caller. So it's cool right. that that little lie has transferred over to Odium too. Odium doesn't even know she's a light weaver. Right. He's deceived. Right. For now. For now. I wonder if he can unmake Ja Anat for being a liar. Maybe. But she, uh, he, <laughs> I, she says something right here. Um, mm. I will do what I can but I'm not sure he trusts me any longer. Right. So like the moves that she's making may be harmful to her for right. some reason. She's helping Shalon. Yeah. I, I don't know what to make of all this. Wait, Shalon says, cause she disappears. Wait, I have, I have questions. Still tried to snatch the the spren from from leaving but it dodged, but it dodged and yeah. was soon out over the ocean i like how like sills like hey, hey, oh jeez yeah. like trying to catch it trying to grab it well i mean it's sort of the way it was described it was sort of look, look, look like a fairy it's like a kind of yeah it's like a, a, glor a cl corrupted glory spren so it, it looks like spren, a glory yeah. spren but just slightly different different color a little bit of different shaping very cool so that's all we get from that point of view just from a Shalon. little taste it's, it's weird, eh? Like this Jean not helping them, but being a liar and being responsible for corrupting Spren mm -hmm. or corrupting lesser Spren, as yeah. it was hinted at in Mythica. Yeah, I don't know what to make of it yet, but mm -hmm. I like it. I, I want, I like the idea a lot of having one of the unmade in the pocket of the, of the band. Right. I like that a lot. It's kind of like what we have with other characters. Like we have some humans who yeah. are on the Voidbringer side. We have some Voidbringers right. who wouldn't want to be on that side, would actually rather be on the human side. Right. Uh, Venli's a good example of this. Venli is yes. a Voidbringer. She's got a, um, like a void form or whatever, one of these new envoy form, but she right. also has a spren that's hanging out with her that makes her maybe potentially could be part of the other side. Um, yeah, yeah. And she's trying to protect that, that spren, the secret of that spren, right? So I like this, that the, the, maybe this extends even to the bigger, uh, bigger ups, like unmade and stuff, right? So if that's possible, then maybe it's also possible that one of the heralds work for Odium. I didn't really make that connection i'm just se, i'm just saying this as a, guess... like a uh a, if it's possible that one of the unmade that are supposed to be odiums people and one of the heralds helping the other be... side then maybe the heralds who were supposed to be honors Almighty, people could right, be working uh, the other side we don't know right right that, i didn't think about that possibility mm -hmm. that's interesting yeah really cool hmm okay so we go back to kaladin mm -hmm. kaladin rode the storm he'd done this before in his dreams yeah but this felt different. He rode in a shimmering, rippling surge of colors. Yeah, this is wicked. Mm -hmm. And then he comes across a figure of Dalinar Colon kneeling someplace dark, surrounded by nine shadows, a flash of glowing red eyes. The enemy's champion was coming. Kaladin knew in that moment, 
an overpowering sensation thrumming through him, that Dalinar was in terrible, terrible danger. Without help, the Blackthorn was doomed. Mm-hmm. Where, Kaladin screamed to the light as it began to fade, and when, how do I reach him? The colors diminished. Please. He saw a flash of a vaguely familiar city. Tall, built along the stones, it had a distinctive pattern of buildings at the center. A wall and an ocean beyond. Kaladin dropped to his knees in the fortune teller's room. The little shin man batted Kaladin's hand from the glowing sphere. Urchins, uh, seers like myself, you'll ruin it, he trailed off and then took Kaladin's head, turning it toward him. You saw something? Kaladin nodded weakly. But how? Impossible. Unless you are invested. What heightening? What heightening are you? He asks. He squints at Kaladin. No, something else. Merciful Domi, a surge binder? It has begun again? Kaladin stumbles to his feet. He glanced at the large globe of light which the lighthouse keeper covered up again with the black cloth, but then put his hand to his forehead, which had begun thumping with pain. What had that been? His heart still raced with anxiety. I, I need to get to my friends, he said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what do you make of that? Isn't that cool that it just, it was the, um, like the Shin Man's sentence just carried on. It was like an instant uh, yeah. experience. Yeah, it just happened. Yeah. yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, it's really cool. The, um... There's like a a thing here where he says some words that don't sound familiar to our Rosharan ears. You're invested? Yeah, invested we've heard before, but what heightening are you is yeah, something very us. strange to us. Right. Um, merciful Domi, that doesn't sound like any of the curses or... Um, that we've heard before. No, so I, I don't think we've heard those. Human man might be from another world as well. Right. Right. Now, so, if the term heightening would that be a part of one of the other series, like um, um, what's um, like let's say Mistborn, for example, right. mm-hmm. or Warbreaker, or Warbreaker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah that, so that could be possible, right? Is that those popular. terms yeah. could be. Uh, something attached yeah, to a whole different magic system or, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That's and really cool. you won't know until you read those books. So, right. Isn't that, <laughs> yeah. isn't that amazing? Yeah. Oh, I love it. Um, we do get, uh, is this the final POV change? I think so. Let's yeah. See. I think it is. So we go back to Kaladin waking up from this experience or coming to, if you will. Mm-hmm. But Kaladin does go get his friends and brings yeah, them does. to the fortune teller. Yeah. So Kaladin sat in the main room of the lighthouse in the chair Reno, the, sh- the Shin lighthouse keeper, had occupied earlier. Shallan and Adolin negotiated with the fortune teller on the other side of the room, pattern looming over Shallan's shoulder and making the fortune teller nervous. Reno had, f- had food and supplies for trade, though it would cost them infused spheres. Mm-hmm. Apparently, stormlight was the only commodity that mattered on this side. Charlatans like him aren't uncommon where I come from, Azure says, resting her back against the wall. People who claim to be able to see the future, living off people's hopes. Your society was right to forbid them. The Spren do likewise, so his kind have to live in 
and in places like this, hoping people will be desperate enough to come to them. Probably get some business with each ship that comes through. Yeah, but I saw something, Azure, Kaladin says, still trembling. It was real. He felt, uh, his limbs felt drained, like the aftereffect of lifting weights for a long period. Maybe, Azure said. Those types use dusts and powders that grant euphoria, making you think that you've seen something. Even the gods of my land catch only glimpses of the spiritual realm. And in all my life, I've only met one human, I believe, truly understood it. And he might actually be a god, I'm not sure. Wit, Kaladin said. The man that brought you the metal that protected your soulcaster. She nodded. Wow, might be a god. Mm -hmm. Oh, well that's even more interesting. Like, Wit could be a god from another realm. It could be, I guess, yeah. Like, in in this realm, you're dealing with Honor, the Almighty, like you've got... Well, the Honor you, is the Almighty, right? So Honor, right. Odium, and Cultivation. Okay. I don't remember where Cultivation fits into it. Cultivation is the third that they don't talk about very much. The third of the Almighty and Honor? Mm -hmm. And Lift... Wendell, or Windle, is a cultivation right. sprint, much like Syl is a honor sprint. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. We haven't talked much about cultivation. There no. were three gods here on this, uh, like in this area. One right. of them was killed named Honor. Right. And Odium is looking to kill cultivation, but cultivation is hidden. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. But she's claiming that wit could be a god. Right. Um, well, Kaladin had seen something. Dalinar, Adolin walked over and handed Kaladin a squat metal cylinder. He used a device provided by the Shin Man to break open the top. There were some, fresh, some fish rations inside. Kaladin poked at the chunks with his finger, then inspected the container. Canned food. Azure noted. It's extremely convenient. So she's experienced canned food. Yeah. And obviously the fortune teller is familiar. Right. But this is... But she spent time in Shadesmar, so she might have come across it in Shadesmar. True enough. Right. And they do, they've mentioned that other humans, other travelers live here. Right. So uh, this is, it's so cool, dude. I yeah. love it. It could be a nexus point from a bunch of different places, right? Yeah, canned if, food if might not like even it, come from any one of the places we've already we've already even heard about. It could come from yeah. a different place. Yeah, it's really cool. It it feels like a way station, like a it's a world Absolutely, that like it's, yeah. it's almost like Deep Space Nine. Like every, every you know, you've got these connect. <laughs> yeah. It's like a jump off point, right, like between between places. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, canned food. So this is great. This is where I think sardines would have been. Uh, uh, an appropriate title here, canned food. Um, Kaladin's stomach rumbled, so he dug into the fish with a spoon Adolin provided. The meat tasted salty, but was good. Far better than something soul-cast. Shallan joined them trailed by pattern, while the lighthouse keeper bustled off to fetch more supplies that they had traded for. The man glanced at the doorway where the spren of Adolin's blade stood, silent like a statue. Yeah. 
Out through the room's window, Kaladin could see Syl standing off the, on the coast, watching out over the sea of beads. Her hair doesn't ripple here, he thought. In the physical realm, it often waved as if being brushed by an unseen breeze. But here, it acted like the hair of a human. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're not quite... I mean, obviously, pattern is not human here, but mm -hmm. Syl is very human here. Yeah. yeah. Much more so. Yeah. Um, she hadn't wanted to enter the lighthouse for some reason. What was that about? The lighthouse keeper says a ship will be arriving any time now. Do you think that's a clue? She doesn't want to go in the lighthouse? Yeah. Um, there's something weird about that. Is it the fire? Maybe. Maybe. Or just simply that, you know, she's not into sardines. She's yeah, she out. just uh, doesn't feel comfortable going in there for some reason. The lighthouse keeper says a, wi a ship will be arriving any time. We should be able to buy passage. Mmm, Pattern says. The ship is going to Celebrand. Mmm, a city on the island. The island? It's a lake on our side, Aelin says, called the Sea of Spears, in the southeast of Alethkar. It's by the ruins of Rathalas. <laughs> he drew his lips to a line and glanced away. What? Kaladin asked. Rathalas was where my mother was killed. Assassinated by rebels. Her death drove my father into a fury. We almost lost him to the despair. It's not a pleasant event to think about. Sadius burned the city to the ground in retribution. My father gets a strange distant expression whenever someone mentions Rathalas. I think he blames himself for not stopping Sadius, even though he was mad with grief at the time. Wounded and incoherent from an attempt on his own life. So this is the lie they tell, told, remember? After it happened, they said that they were going to tell a lie to everyone. And this is the same lie that Adolin believes all these years later. So he believes Sadius set the fire. Set the fire. And that his mom was assassinated by rebels. Right. Yeah. And that the reason why Rathalas died was in retribution for that assassination. Very convenient. Right. Uh, this whole lie that's happening. Yeah. It's great, though, to ha hear it out of Adolin's mouth because now we mouth, know what right. the boys believe, right? Right. Yeah. Oh, it's so complex, dude. Like, because, mm -hmm. you know, the truth will out. I mean, right. it's going to come out. Right. Like, it's going to. So what happens? What, what, what does Adolin think about when he How hears that his, mo yeah. like his mom was killed by his dad? It was, it was accidental. Accidental, but still. I know. I know. It's just tragedy. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's very tragic. tragic. It's very, yeah. very tragic. Um, well, there's still a spren on this side, Azure says. But it's in the wrong direction. We need to be heading west toward the Horn Eater Peaks, not south. Oh, sorry, I didn't quite finish that thing with Rathalas. Mm. I think Dalinar blames himself for not stopping Sadius, even though he was mad with grief at the time, wounded and incoherent from an attempt on his own life. So towards the Horn Eater Peaks, Azure seems to think that they need to go. Yeah, because she wants to take them to Honor's Perpendicularity, which we, right. like, that she, she's used Peaks. before. She knows where that one exists. 
Right. It's a known quantity. Mm, Pattern says, Celebrant is a prominent city. In it, we could find passage wherever we wish to go. And the lighthouse keeper doesn't know when a ship going the right way might pass here. Kaladin put his fish down and gestured at Shallan. Can I have some paper? She let him have a sheet from her sketch pad. With an unpracticed hand, he drew over the buildings he'd seen in his momentary, whatever it had been. I've seen this pattern before, from above. Well, that's Thalen City, Shallan said, isn't it? That's right, Kaladin thought. He'd only visited once, opening the city's oath gate. And Shallan had gone with him. Remember? Is this when they went bounding in the sky? Uh, yeah, they went. They flew yeah. to Thalen City to open up the oath right. gate, but she went right. with them. So that's why she recognizes right. it too. I saw this in the vision I explained to you. He glanced at Azure, who seemed skeptical. Kaladin could still feel his emotion from the vision that thrummed, sorry, that thrumming sense of anxiety. The sure knowledge that Dalinar was in grave danger. Nine shadows. A champion who would lead the enemy forces. The oath gate in Thalen City is open and working, Kaladin says. Shallan and I saw to that. And since the oath gate in Kolinar brought us to Shadesmar, theoretically another, one that isn't corrupted by the unmade, could get us back. Right. Hmm, interesting. Assuming I can figure out how to work it on this side, Shallan says, that's a pretty daunting assumption. We should try to reach the perpendicularity in the peaks, Azure said. It's the only sure way back. The lighthouse keeper says he thinks something strange is happening there, Shallan says. Ships from that direction have never ended up arriving. Kaladin rested his fingers on the sketch that he'd done. He needed to get to Thalen City. Didn't matter how. The darkness inside him seemed to retreat. Yeah, because remember what Adolin said? Now that he has a mission... Right. It's when he doesn't have something to do that we have to worry about him. Right. He had a purpose, a goal, something to focus on other than the people he'd lost in Kolinar. Protect Dalinar. Kaladin returned to eating his fish and the group settled in to wait for the ship. It took a few hours, during which the clouds steadily faded in color, before growing plain and white again. On the other side, the high storm had completed its passing. Eventually, Kaladin saw something out on the horizon, beyond where Sill sat on the rocks. Yes, that was a ship, sailing in from the west, except it didn't have a sail. Had he even felt the wind in Shadesmar? He didn't think so. The ship crashed through the ocean of beads, surging toward the lighthouse. It employed no sail, no mast, and no oars. Instead, it was pulled from the front by an elaborate rigging attached to a group of incredible spren, long and sinuous. They had triangular heads and floated on multiple sets of rippling wings. Storms, they pulled the ship like chulls, flying majestic chulls with undulating bodies. He'd never seen anything like it. Adolin grunted from where he stood by the windows. Well, at least we'll be traveling in style. <laughs> I'll give you a little a little spoiler. Sure. That please. After the next chapter, there is an image of these things that Shallan has 
drawn out. Drawn. So next Ooh, episode you'll look. get. Yeah, don't okay. look at. Yeah, we'll we'll cover it next episode. Okay. But you'll get nice. to see exactly what they look like. What they look like. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, what's your highlight from that little bit? I mean, it for me, it's got to be the conversation, the tiny little conversation between uh, Pattern and Sill is just so awesome. The back and forth. Yeah. yeah. It's great. It is good. I I like the um the reminder of that he's good when he has a task. Right. That's really cool. And I think that's So that's really kind of cool. goes towards anyone with that kind of mental health that when they they have something to focus on, they can forget that stuff. It's when yeah. there's nothing happening that is the hard yeah. part, right? Yeah. No, I I I I like that a lot about that chapter. But I think in general, uh, what I like I think um I, I'm going to say a highlight for the, for the can of sardines. I, I think it's the fortune teller. Yeah. Just, just for me, delighting in this whole thing, like the table, the object, the strangeness like, of the, everything the orb, like, yeah, the, this orb that he touches and, uh, he's teleported away, mm-hmm. um, into the unknown again. I just, I don't know. I love that a lot. I think that's really cool. And this whole thing of blending realms. Yeah. What a brilliant thing to to do as a writer. It's really cool. You know, I mean, it just it gives the readers so much to delight in. It's just wonderful. I'd be remiss to 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 not mention the uh, the little back and forth Shalon has with Ja not here, deepening right. the mystery of what is up with this unmade. Is she an ally? Um, right. If we were to believe her that she's lied to Odium, it's hard to believe because she's saying she lies. So maybe she's lying now. Anyways, mm-hmm. it's really, it's all really, really fascinating. Um, we finally get a tiny little, you know, two tiny little POVs from Shalon. Shalon is still dealing with some of her identity crisis stuff that she's got. So yeah, mm-hmm. um, a lot to really enjoy in this chapter, I think. I think so too. Yeah. I hope it's setting us up for some great things to come. Oh, it def- definitely is. I can spoil that much. Yeah. It is. Def- are we getting, are we getting a little closer to the end of part? We're getting, we're I mean, like I said, there's four, uh, part right? four is quite large, but oh, um, okay. we've, uh, we've quite got, done quite a bit. We've done two, then there's two episodes of three. So we've done quite a bit right now. Like we're, yeah. we're about halfway through part four right now. So halfway. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Um, yeah, so uh, um, nice. I guess, well, let's go to the, uh, we'll go and visit with our good friend, uh, uh, any, um, in words anyways, to our good friend, uh, Buzzkill <laughs> Joe, who uh, right. does all the info dumpery stuff for us. Thank you so much, mm-hmm. uh, Joe, mm-hmm. for your continued support and help on this. Um, chapter 96, Pieces of Fabriel, he mentions that laughter spren that surround the Bridgman, they are only ever mentioned once prior in uh, Way of Kings in chapter 14. Laughter spren, minnow-like silver spirits that dart through the air in circular patterns begin to zip about them. So it's really cool that these little laughter spren surround the men. It really tells us that the men are in good spirits. You know, right, their, right. Um, their captain is lost. Um, there's a war, <laughs> but you know what? These guys are just having a good time together. You know, yeah. they're, this is, these are the men that literally lived as slaves for a, a good chunk of time. And now they can see that life is good, even though life right. is bad, life is still good. So that's really right. cool. That um, is cool. They, uh, Vexil the Wise, this is the current prime of Emul, often referred to as the, uh, uh often referred to the Makabaki princes and primes by their country, much like the Alethi high princes were often referred to by their house name. We men- made mention of this earlier in the, uh, uh, the coverage of our podcasting back in like Way of Kings, you know, Aladar, 
That's not his first name. That's his last name. Everyone calls him Aladar. Right. Sadius. Everyone calls Sadius Sadius. His first name is Toril. Right. Right. Sabariel is his last name. Everyone calls him Sabariel. Though no one calls Dalinar Colin. Right. They all call him Dalinar. And maybe that's because they don't want to call him Blackthorn. I don't know. I don't know if it has anything to do with his past, but they all refer to him by using his first name, but all the other high princes are referred to with their last name. So it's a very that's strange thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, it'd be a good question to ask, um, uh, 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 Brandon, you know, why, why, why the difference, right? Why is it different? Um, so he also has here the Ashno of Sages was mentioned in this uh, uh, that chapter. A member right. of the coalition from Emul has a fra- frail bearing. In right. Way of Kings I seven, we've mentioned this uh, this uh, interlude before. This is when Baxel Av and their mistress broke into the Ashno's house to destroy art. Right. Remember that when we talked in the, just yeah, yeah. the, the, our last coverage of the, uh, interludes that that lady whom, um, uh, Marais kind of lured with the painting, the one that's been destroying art, right? her and her two uh, servants, Baxel and Av in this chapter had broken into this guy at the Ashno of Sages into his, uh, a house to destroy uh, art. Ashno was the prime of Emul before Vexel. Ashno of Sages had a bad back and he was one of the great Emuli primes. Um, Aonok is this person, The he's the Natan ambassador. Uh, Dalinar actually spoke with uh, him, Hatham and Hatham's Ardent, about war and trade in Way of Kings. He asked me to insult his guest. Bright Lord Hatham wants Aonok to think that he is shamed. Now, when Hatham agrees to uh, agrees quickly to Aonak's demands, the foreigner will assume it was because of this and won't delay signing contracts out of suspicion. Do you remember that scene? It was a very, very small scene where um, there was like some duplicitous uh, uh, work here where they were tr- like they were be playing this political game and Dalinar kind of stepped in and wasn't really sure what was going on, like showing kind of his like... Um, his inability to get politics at that time. Right. But, um, yeah, it's a, it's the same guy. It's the same, uh, same person that was involved in that scene. Um, what else do we have here? Uh, Oh, the, uh, lethy chair carrying tradition. Each person, no matter how important carries their own chair. It's a very symbolic symbol of uh, equality. Um, it says here that the Yazir are known for their timekeepers and their storm wardens, and that uh, he also makes po- a point of saying that the Alethi occupation, so uh, the Voidbringer occupation of Alethkar, um, the last of our armies have retreated into Herdaz and Yakaved. Our only holdouts are on the southern border by the seas. So he's saying this to make note that Hearthstone is in the north of Alethkar. So that means Hearthstone. Cal's home uh, city has been overrun. Mm. So pretty sad. Um, Okay. So the next chapter is chapter 97, uh, Reno, the heightening, presumably someone or something invested, whatever that means, that is not a surge binder. Um, it says, Unless you're invested, what heightening are you? So this is the quote that he's saying. And then in his notes here, it says, Invest with a capital 
I have been mentioned, uh, 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 been mentioned before, but not fully explained. It definitely involves the use of stormlight. So in I six, the, um, interlude with Zale in words of radiance. He says, one of those storms have, uh, have come invested to the hilt and looking for a place to stick it all. And then another place mm. where we've gotten invest is in words of radiance. I nine with lift, keep all her spheres or keep all spheres from her. She must not be allowed to invest. So you were, so that must mean absorb the storm. Yeah. Or like filled with power kind of thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then Domi, which is another part of that um, merciful Domi. Mm-hmm. Uh, Buzzkill Joe says here, don't know for sure, presumably a name for a god or a herald. Uh, merciful Domi is the only thing that we get. So there's a big question marks here. We're not really sure where this comes from. Um, Nalma is the older slave that Kaladin tried to escape with. The flashback uh, was the background story for the Way of King paragraph. In Ways of King 55, he squeezed his eyes shut, remembering one of his escape attempts when he'd been when he kept this fellow slave free for an entire week, hiding in the wilderness. They'd finally been caught by their master hunters. That was when he'd lost Nalma. So Nalma's name came a long time ago in Way of Kings, and now we're getting to see through his memories when Nalma was lost. So it was just kind of like before in Way of Kings was just kind of a throwaway line, but now Brandon decided to expand on it a little bit with this memory, which is really, really cool. (laughs) Um, Anticipation spread. We kind of covered that already. Um, uh, The, the, it's like the, uh, the waving tongues or whatever, but the reference Mm -hmm. here is that uh, one of your favorite uh, interludes, Kaza, I four in words of radiance caused the soul caster saw some, the captain drew anticipation spread as he waited ribbons that waved in the wind and Kaza could see the beasts beyond the creatures that accompanied those spread. So because she lived in those two realms, because she was kind of like using the soul caster, she could see kind of into the shades mar at the same time. Right. She was able to see. Um, the anticipation spread fully in Shadesmar. She didn't describe it. We got the description in this chapter. So right. it's cool that there was like, a, you know, it, it, setting it up earlier in the last book that right. there was something more to uh, um, uh, spread. Um, there is a lot in here. Um, the not glory spread we've already kind of talked about. Um Shadesmar lighthouses, lighthouses are stall, uh, tall stone topped by an enormous bonfire. So it wasn't just like light from a sphere, an actual bonfire. Um, right. Uh, Reno is probably an, uh, an old Shin man, but he has Shin in quotations here because he looks like he should be Shin, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's from there. Um, because of uh, Shadesmar being what it is, a kind of like way station, he could be from anywhere and he could just look Shin, right? Um. Uh, the, uh, uh, foretelling a taboo, um, the spren just like Vorans forbid the telling of future. So that's something similar there. Um, the horn eater peaks is where the, uh, perpendicularity is. And, um, it says the lighthouse Hornator Peaks, the lighthouse keeper says he thinks something strange is happening in the Hornator Peaks. And in chapter 37, Rock's wife um says very well luminor i have stories too 
the peaks are home. Something is wrong, very wrong. So she earlier in this book also stated that there was something going on in the Horde Eater Peaks. So something's going on on the Shadesmar side and something's going on in the physical realm side. We don't know what that is though. So kind of neat. Um, very cool that there's a city called Celebrant in the, in the mm-hmm. space where uh, Rathalas burned, which is kind of, kind of a, you know, a weird statement, Celebrant, and uh, is the place of a, of yeah. a horrible, horrible tragedy in another place. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, yeah, so that's about it. He has some stuff about canned food here, but we already talked about that. And, mm-hmm. um, and he also asks, is the strange mushroom a Shadesmar tree, which is what you asked as well. So right, you yeah. and Buzzkill Joe are on the same wavelengths there. So that's kind of cool. All right. So yeah, cool. thanks to so much to Buzzkill Joe for doing all that hard work. We really appreciate it. It's a lot of, a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, he does, there is one thing here I want to say he, the, some of the paintings that you said that we, yeah. we saw and you weren't sure if it might be something. Another was a cityscape before, yeah. at dusk with a group of low houses clustered before an enormous wall that had a light wall, glowing yeah. beyond, beyond it. Well, he thinks that this might be Talir. It could be a painting about the girl who looked up. Right. So that's kind of cool. Um, I didn't actually catch that until now. That's, that's really neat. Cause you asked me earlier, do you think that we've seen that before? And yeah. when it's said like that, I didn't, I didn't catch it. But now that he, he puts a plane. Yeah, of course there's a tall wall and a small city. Tall, we, small we've heard little, that story yeah. before. Right. So, right. Yeah. It's funny. Um, yeah. So, okay. Thanks so much to Buzzkill Joe for all the hard work. We really appreciate it. Um, so yeah, uh, we're going to be covering two chapters next 98 and 99. Um, okay, two more. Yeah, so let's get on that and let's do it. <laughs> if uh, you guys want to uh, reach out to us, you can do so at heroesofacatha at gmail.com. Um, you can hit us up on Instagram at the StormPod. Um, uh, the uh, subreddit, StormPod, and the Facebook page, StormPod, are there too to reach out. So we really appreciate it if you do. Um, if you want to be part of the growing community on Discord, you got to go to patreon.com slash heroes of and uh sign up there we have uh, uh some interesting things coming up this year uh where we're going to be doing maybe some uh q a after dark sessions where we're going to be talking to the, f- the 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 peeps and drinking some wine and getting silly um so yeah if you really want to uh, uh join up it's uh easy just go to patreon.com slash heroes of we really appreciate it um all right so that's it that's the end of the episode everyone uh thank you very much for listening jack any closing thoughts Closing thoughts? No, just looking forward to munching on a few more chapters. Mm, let's get this done. Uh, yeah. yeah, let's get chapter, f- let's get part four. Yeah, let's get it under done. Our, under our Let's belts, really yeah. do it, yeah. All right, cool. <laughs> well, thanks a lot, everyone, for listening. We love you very much. Till next time. Take care, everybody. The Storm Pod is brought to you by Heroes Of. Music and theme song by Jack Forrest Productions. Additional music by Jason Moray. Produced by our wonderful Patreon team and the heroes of Akathra. <laughs>